near future, Doc Terror and his cyborg companion hacker unleash their forces to conquer Earth. Only one force can stop this evil, a handful of brave men. In specially created exobrains, they can be transported anywhere to fuse with incredible assault weapon systems, being down from the space station sky vault, becoming man and machine, power extreme. Max Ray, Brilliant Sea Operations Commander. Jake Rockwell, Rugged Land Operations Specialist. Ace McLeod, Daring Air Operations Expert. Whatever the challenge, they are ready. The Centurion. Welcome, everybody, to Back in Tunes. We're starting a new series of mini-sodes. Uh, cartoons where we just chit-chat quickly about eh, about them for about 10, 15 minutes. And uh, my regular co-host, Jacob, is not available right now. So, Tony, thank you for stepping in as a guest host. Yeah, no problem, man. All right, this episode, we're going to be discussing the 88 classic. <laughs> I don't know why I said classic. I'm not sure if anybody even remembers this. And, uh, and I was wrong. Uh, 86 uh, cartoon Centurions. Let's pretend that last minute didn't happen. Amnesia. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start this off with, I was born in 85, and I didn't see this until the 90s, and I, I loved this as a kid. So just keep that in mind as I talk about this with you guys. Oh, okay, good. Because um, this did not air where I lived. Uh, I, I still don't understand why so many cartoons did not air in Indiana. And this was even anime. I mean, yes, it was produced by a Japanese company, but what wasn't at that time that was, you know, action, toy-oriented. And um, I kept seeing ads for this. I even read the Marvel comic. I believe there was a mini series, and uh, I never—I have never seen a single episode until last week. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, man. I mean, some of these things I wish I had seen more of, and this is one of the ones where I happened to just catch on uh, cable TV. It was on the Cartoon Network, and I was—I enjoyed the heck out of it in the '90s. Yeah, this is back when um, Cartoon Network was brand new, and they only had so many hours of their own content. They would have to use stuff from catalogs they'd buy, you know, from the Ruby Spears or the Hanna-Barbera catalog, and this is mm -hmm. part of that. So a lot of those uh, early 80s cartoons that didn't get a lot of attention at the time were rediscovered 10, 15 years later, and um, this is definitely one of those. Oh, yeah. Though, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that as a full-grown adult trying to rewatch some of these things, all I can do is just shake my head and just say, that's just, that's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. This is like a, the quintessential 80s boys cartoon. Like, you got all, oh, the, yeah. all of the cast, the production company behind it. It's like they took the bits and pieces of every cartoon that was popular at that time and said, okay, so... Let's put this all together and make like, uh, uh, what do you want to call it? Like a greatest hits uh, cartoon. Right. You know, so like, hey, isn't that the voice from uh, G.I. Joe? And isn't that the guy from Transformers? That animation style sure looks like Marvel, but it's not. Yeah. No, and like, there's just things that don't make sense. Like, uh, even like in the opening theme song, you know, it starts off with uh, Doc Terror and this, you know, <laughs> cyborg hacker. I'm like, but Doc Terror is also a cyborg. Does Does that mean that? hacker just doesn't have anything important in his life so that he has to have you tagged by what he already is as well that or he has mental issues where i'm, I'm above being a cyborg don't not call me a cyborg it's yeah, me. i'm a doctor <laughs> i'm dr cyborg uh sir that name is actually owned by another person oh crap i like yeah, the names well, too damn. 
the uh, the names of the heroes are like really cheesy. Do you remember? Did you ever watch Mystery Science Theater three thousand? Yeah, there, yeah. There's an episode uh, called Space Mutiny where this big muscle bound guy, uh, Red Brown, he played the first Captain America in those terrible yeah. TV movies. Um, he had one of those like real super manly name. And uh, for the rest of the movie, the Mystery Science Theater crew were just making up names like Slab, Rickwad, uh, Bone, Tripwire. But that's the name of like all the heroes in this. Max Ray, Jake Rockwell, yeah. Ace McCloud. Ace McCloud. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so bad. It's like, really? Like, you're just like, all right, we need, we need names that match exactly. The, like, this is like the earliest incarnation of the Power Rangers, you know? Like, you can only wear your colors. You have to be named after the thing you do in your life. <laughs> You know, that's, that's the way it works with porno names, I think, too. It's just like, uh, your first dog and the street you live on. You know, it's just really random stuff. You almost wonder if the names are on uh, 20-sided die. And they would just roll a couple mm. of those, and that's how they chose the name. And also the fact that, like, all of their abilities and costumes are modular. Like, I'm, I'm wondering every now and again, if you're just sitting there, like, you know, as Max Ray, the sea specialist, looking at Ace, and like, I, I want to wear the flight suit sometimes. I mean, all my dots are in the same place. Why can't I fly? Did, did they have to get certification in order to wear a certain suit? Because they're like, no, 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 you're not cleared on wearing this version of the suit that looks almost yeah, exactly right. the same as your suit, just with slightly different rearranged holes. You know, and like, and how do you train for that? You know, like, as a pilot, you should be able to fly. We're going to jam wings and a booster rocket on your back. It's like, am I going to have like a handle to fly? It's like, no, you just kind of aim your head in the direction you want to go. How do I shoot the gun on my chest? You, you, you will it to happen. You just will the gun to shoot. That, that was the curse with, uh, there was a character in He-Man that was like that. Like the only way he could shoot is if he like bent over like he was taking a dump and then he'd shoot his rockets <laughs> off. You're like, nobody, nobody fire, uh, fires like that. <laughs> Like I said, as an adult, you just look at these things like, this is just really, really impractical. Like, you're not even wearing, like, full body armor. If you were flying around or going through the sea at the speeds you say that you're going through, you'd be ripping your skin off in the water or, you know, just getting serious, like, wind abrasion or something. This is, this is just not – this wouldn't work. I'm sorry. I, uh, I wonder if someone, when they first saw the suit designs, they're like, are you guys sure about this? We, are we, we're sticking with this design because this looks really creepy and weird, like – like, this is a fuck suit. Like, there's just a lot of random holes on this. This is not right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, like, I, I get a feeling that, like you said, this is just pulling pieces and parts from other things, you know? It's like, okay, they're kind of like visionaries. Okay, they're also like transformers, because they transform from human to machine, but only half machine. Yeah. Wait, half machine? Man and machine? Power <laughs> extreme. <laughs> Some of the people that were behind this cartoon actually surprised me. Uh, Jack Kirby and Gil Kane uh, worked on the artwork for the, you know, they designed the characters. And I was like, wait, what? Jack Kirby? That's crazy. But I think this is during the period where Jack Kirby and Gil Kane were kind of out of favor. Um, comic mm. books comic books were kind of switching to a different look. And they had yet to be really heralded as, um, you know, the greats. True, true. Although, I can, like, now that you say it, I can kind of see, like, you know, a little bit of New Gods going on in there. Can I say this? This is going to burn my bridges with any comic book fans, but I've never been a huge fan of Jack Kirby's design. I get that they're weird, but for something something about them just turns me off. No, I, I know what you mean, man. Like, There's just some things that you can't go back to. Like At the time of this era, I imagine it's really cool, but like I have problems with John Romita Jr., you know, because he's basically a copy of his father, John Romita Sr., and all the stuff just looks blocky and repetitive. And, yeah, and the lines, know, no offense, the crazy I mean, use of yeah. the face lines. You know, it's just like, I, I, I get what you're going for. You're going for a classic look, but it's just, we've moved forward. 
and comics need to move forward with it. We we can't use old you know old ass storylines. We can't use old ass art. And yeah. so like that's uh, anyways moving on. Yeah. So as a whole, I really enjoyed this cartoon, and there's some cool things to it, but you just you can't go back to it without just kind of crossing your eyes, going. I don't know about this, guys. I will say the quality of the animation is extremely good, uh, especially in the opening. Oh, yeah. it, it was top-notch for the time. Uh, it says mm. it designed by Sunrise. Uh, Ruby Spears, yes, her name was on it because they were the financiers, but a lot of these cartoons were designed by other companies overseas that don't get a lot of credit. Now, for the people who don't know who Sunrise is, they are behind Cowboy Bebop, Gundam, and um, Escaflown, you know, just a bunch of these cartoons you catch, like, on Saturday night on uh, uh, Cartoon Network, you know, Adult Swim. So if you're mm-hmm. fans of some of the newer style, it started pretty much here with uh, Centurions. Oh, yeah, and there was a toy line. I, I, You know what? I saw ads for this in my Marvel comics, but um, I don't remember ever seeing a single one in stores. I've never heard of anybody owning one of the toys. It must have been very short-lived. Yeah, I've, I've never seen one of the toys in my life. The... Uh, if you would ask me as a kid, I would absolutely wanted one. Yeah, I wonder how many of those still hold up. So, you know, during the 80s, a lot of those toys were bought up. You know, the minute eBay uh, popped into existence, everybody went on and bought all those toys that they thought about when they were kids. I wonder how many of those people were like, why did I buy that again? Ah, nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> Although, like, at the same time, I've seen some pretty cool stuff, like uh, the giant G.I. Joe uh, uh, air carrier, what have you. Like, I've seen that, and people have done some crazy thing with that thing, and that thing was expensive back in the day. No no kid didn't want that, was, yeah. but was able to afford it. What's, uh, what's the Transformer that was, like, the station? Like, the one that looked like a, it had, like, a little train that went around it, and it was a huge, like, it had an oddball uh-huh. head with, like, a rocket launcher on top of his skull? Megaplex? Is that it? Oh. I can't remember, but um, yeah, there's well, there's always the big Metroplex. ones. Metroplex. Oh, okay. he, was a, he was the entire town. There were a lot of those big sets that you could never afford, and you always had that one friend who had like, oh, you got the Millennium Falcon. Oh, you got this, this the carrier ship from GI Joe. Oh, oh my God, how do you afford all this stuff? And uh, mm. you know, I always had like the tiny little figures, and I think that's all Centurions was was just like because uh, they were their own ships, which kind yeah. of it would cut down on the sales of the toys because. They couldn't sell the figure and then the ship. They had them together. So maybe that wasn't well thought out by Kenner. <laughs> uh, and that was one of those things that was also happening more often and more often was that they were making cartoons to suit toys more than anything else. Yeah, I believe it was in 1982 the uh, FCC decided that it was okay to have children's programming that also served as advertising. But the rule was uh, they had to curb the violence and they had to have some sort of message at the end. Which, I don't recall there being a single message in Centurions. Did I miss it? You, you know, I, I, I can't feel that it was just a giant military, like, join the Navy, Army, you know, Marines, and or Air Force situation. Kind of like G.I. Joe, you know, where yeah. it's like, it's an action flick, but it's an action flick about being an American hero. <laughs> it's, it's like, a- I want to I fly or be a scientist, you know. I was like, I don't think so. Um, I want to drop this real quick. The, of course, the voice cast is just a bunch of people that um, were in all sorts of cartoons. It, it, these names would repeat over and over, but somehow Frank Welker finds a way into every single cartoon we discuss. I, I, I think <laughs> 90% of the episodes that we do, Frank Welker's name comes up. But I also notice David Mendenhall. Do you remember him from Over the Top? He's the little boy, Stallone's kid. I don't really. Hmm. Have you seen that movie, the arm wrestling movie? Oh, absolutely. I've seen it. I just... 
didn't think that that would be uh, that would be him or that'd be what he was doing. Yeah, I guess he did voice work at the same time he was doing the movie. I remember him being the Transformers movie, but other than that, I thought that was it. You know, he just did acting. Huh. All right, so we're hitting the end of our minisode. I just want to let you know that Centurion's first half of the season just came out on uh, Manufacture on Demand July 21st. So if you want to pick that up, you have to go to Amazon or uh, Warner Archive, their direct sites, and you can pick up the first half of the first season. Well, the only season. Yeah. Just, you know, be willing to extend your disbelief and let go of certain scientific facts, like the fact that Sky Vault constantly teleports them stuff, no matter where they're going, even though it's a stationary space object. It's just, it just doesn't work. It can't work. I always wondered if there was severe financial crisis after, like, uh, they put all this stuff together. It's like, what's the budget on this? Oh, we went way overboard, guys. We're going to have to cut back on everything else in the entire world. <laughs> yeah, just just throw a girl and a monkey up there. A girl and a monkey? Yeah, just a girl and a monkey. They could handle the entire station. We're good. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it always seems like these these uh, these jobs where it should be like an entire armada of people running everything. And it's just like, nah, mm -hmm. it's just one dude running the entire thing. We're good. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, anything else you want to say before we go? No, no, you pretty much covered most of it in this one. All right, everybody, check us out on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment. We also have a special page set up for Back in Tunes where you can check out all of our episodes we've done over the last two years. And, uh, Tony, thank you for guesting on this episode. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And, everybody, have a good night. Take it easy. to Back in Tunes. I'm your host, Michael. My co-host, as always, hello, Jacob. It's Jacob. Uh, you'll notice that the theme song we played at the beginning was from The Critic. We've discovered, or at least I've discovered, I'm, I've been putting the episodes up on YouTube because we found ourselves in a situation now. We are at a year and a half now with the show. I have earned no money whatsoever. Uh, we've got fans that have supported us, which I love. I know there's not a lot of money to go out there to donate. So... This is what we could do. Share, like, comment, tell your friends, uh, and, and possibly go over to the YouTube channel under Retro Rocket Entertainment. We have um, a lot of the back in tunes going up right now and some other stuff. And if you watch them, sometimes they come with a commercial. Sit through the commercial. Subscribe. Anything. we got to get some money coming yeah. in because I've been pouring tons of cash into this show for a while now, and it's uh, it's getting difficult sometimes. It's hurting. I, mean, I love doing the show. But at the same time, you're like, oh, uh, wow, this is really starting to add up. So it sounds okay. kind of douchey to ask that, but, you know, it's facts. I understand. That's true. Also, like, during commercials, I would recommend muting them so you don't have to hear them. <laughs> and as far as the pain goes, Michael, are you rectally bleeding? Is it that bad? Yeah, it's bad. It's just gushing. But oddly enough, not bleeding. It's, it's, it's just like, you know that stuff you put on ice cream that when it gets cold, it gets like a hard candy shell? It's kind of like that. Ow. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, we're going to want to eat that horrible. again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sorry everybody at home also yeah and if you if you have pets tell them if they're you know technologically you know <laughs> oh gosh if they're technologically uh, yeah. savvy then yes they can do say it this with the support of everybody so far and uh, we have actually gotten record breaking for us 
uh, downloads, but we got to get more. Even you can download it twenty times. Just you know, I don't care. Uh, we got to get to twenty thousand, and then we can get some ad support. Right now, we're not even close, but we're getting there. Of course, yes, I know. Come on, we're getting there. We're getting there. Well, not not there. Just... share. <laughs> right. Backstreet's back. All right. Uh, now I'm gonna have that song stuck in my yeah, head. No, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, at one time, I hadn't heard the song in forever, and a few years ago, I was working with someone, and she just kind of casually said, "Everybody," and then someone else goes, "Yeah," and then I find myself on a regular basis walking like to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the day in the life of Michael. See what one song can change your whole life. And now you're doing that every time you go pee. Yeah, it's not just that. It's actually, I've been watching every single episode of Twenty One Jump Street lately, and uh, the theme song just constantly is in my head at every free moment that I have. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, oh, what are we going to be talking about today, Michael? All right. This week we're uh, going a little bit more mature, a little more current. Well, technically current. Usually we do cartoons from the 70s and 80s. These are from the 90s. We're going to be discussing John Lovitz's The Critic and Dr. Katz. Both were not very successful in uh, the mainstream, but they have very strong, devoted cult followings. Of course, Dr. Katz lasted a lot longer, much lower budget, cable network. The Critic, very short-lived. Two, technically, I want to, if you want to say the webisodes, kind of the seasons, so technically three seasons. Uh, fan right. favorites, but it just never broke through to the mainstream. So, uh, the critic is, I think, complete on YouTube. Am I correct? Yes, it is. I mean, I'm watching the pilot right now, even as we speak. Honestly, it, this is kind of like a precursor to Family Guy. I mean, less wacky, but a little more wittier and funny, and of course, making fun and being a parody of Hollywood. Right. You know, John Lovett's playing the critic, talking about all these movies coming out, and of course, just. <laughs> Pretty much mentioning the ridiculousness, ridiculousness of some franchises and stars and some of the movies they take on. Like, you know, <laughs> Home Alone 5, you know, they end up leaving, <laughs> they end up leaving, <laughs> they end up leaving Kevin at the airport, at the house, and he's only 23. <laughs> it's like Macaulay Culkin with a scruffy face and a cigarette in his mouth, screaming yeah. in terror. <laughs> when this show debuted, uh, the commercials were playing and they were saying, uh, you know, it's from the creator of The Simpsons, and at the time I was a huge Simpsons fan, still am, but... The show's obviously teetered a little bit. Uh, the yeah. the critic was something that I was really interested in because I was a big John Lovitz fan, even though apparently he is a giant pain in the ass and sometimes a borderline mental case. Uh, if you want to know why I say that, you should listen to the episode of Hollywood Babylon with Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman where they explain why they no longer perform at the John Lovitz Theater and how everything went to complete hell. Apparently he lost his mind and, and stole a bunch of money. The uh, the other Dang. yeah I know it's crazy uh, I can't remember what episode it is I'll, I'll try to find it l a little bit later but uh, actually go ahead and start the episode we've kind of been moving away from watching episodes while we comment on them but go ahead if you want it's it's your it's your choice the uh, I do highly recommend it and the third reason I love the critics so much is by this time I was a complete cinema addict I was addicted to flicks I, I said flicks by the way flicks. <laughs> I know. I was just about to. I was about to turn into a grammar Nazi, but <laughs> thankfully you corrected yourself, so I don't have to do that. Oh, think about kittens. Think about baseball. Think about cold showers. Okay, good. Now I don't have to go. Now I don't have to. You know, fucking Gestapo on your ass. Thank you, Mike. Anyway, yeah. Also, it was produced by Judd Apatow, who was the who I think a lot of people, especially like the younger generations, would know is the director of Forty Year Old Virgin, Knocked Up, and This Is Forty. 
Where do you see Judd Apatow in this? I didn't even know he was. He, I thought he was still on uh, the Gary Shanley, not the Gary Shanley show, the Larry Sanders show. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's in the credits. If you look at it, like he's one of the producers. I didn't even notice that. Yes, do see, do yeah. pay attention. And I love how in the beginning, every episode, as soon as it starts, it's always different dialogue from a phone call, from his morning phone call. Yeah, the beginning and end would be different every single episode. You'd always catch something at the very end. Uh, the Gracie Films logo is notorious for having like the little logo of the guy watching it uh, on the big screen. Yeah. But his was different because they had him sitting in the audience, and somebody would come up. Usually, the usher would come up to him, say something, and you know, it's just sure the movie's over. Well, they did the same thing with The Simpsons. You know, every single episode's a little bit different in the opening credits. I don't think they do anything with the closing credits. Do you? You remember? Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah, the usher comes up to Jay and he says, "Sir, the movie's over." And he always, he either says, "Is the snack bar still open?" or "I'm stuck in the chair." Something else. I actually meant the so Simpsons. A, the Simpsons. Do they have anything different in the final credits, or is it only in the opening credits? Uh, no, it's only just slightly different in the opening credits. Closing credits are always the same. Okay, I never noticed. I never even thought to look for. Yeah, the critic was yeah. only on for two years. Very short-lived season. I remember it being on ABC. It was on, I believe, either before or right after Home Improvement. And I stuck through the whole way. And when it got canceled, I was severely bummed. But then all of a sudden, I heard, "Oh." They decided to try to save the show and send it over to Fox. And uh, word has it, Fox didn't really care about the critic too much. They cut the budget. They cut the uh, production time. And when they realized... Don't you they know what? Yeah, they realized, you know what? This is not even our show. This is owned by Sony. So basically, when the show ends, who sells that show? Who packages it up and puts it on home video or DVD? Or who syndicates it to another network? Well, it's not us, so what do we care? So they, they kind of let it go, they kind of didn't. They were going to take it over to the UPN. And. Oh my gosh. Wait, was it UPN? UPN. I think it was UPN, because they're the one with. I don't think uh, uh, the WB was really doing cartoons. I can't remember. I think they did Freakazoid and Pinky the Brain, but that ended pretty fast. <laughs> UPN was doing some cartoons, they were trying to aim a little more mature. But yeah. they couldn't afford the budget it would take to do the critic. They're going to have to cut it again. And Fox <laughs> was sitting on the rights. They would not let it go. UPN and Fox have notoriously been at war with each other for a long time. Uh, if anybody remembers, Buffy, Roswell, oh yeah, Buffy, Roswell, and Angel were all part of this like crazy bargain with UPN, and they were constantly screwing with them. They were screwing with the CW or not CW, the WB. And uh, Buffy got canceled after the fifth season. And that's why Buffy dies. But then Fox negotiated a better deal with UPN, so suddenly Buffy's alive! Yay! And then it finally got the end that it needed. It did, and Roswell got to have a... Uh, Lockdown was thinking the third season's frustrating. It's a little all over the place, but I think the stories are the strongest in the third season. Yeah. So yeah, well, Buffy, yeah, Buffy and Angel definitely... Well, yeah, no, they definitely got... They definitely got their endings. Not sure if you call them happy, but you know, yeah. and that, and then of course Joss Whedon's, you know, become notorious in Hollywood and amongst his fans for killing characters off, <laughs> which he, which he did in you know Avengers one and two. Yeah, I, I actually don't mind <laughs> that. It, it, actually, it actually has a real. Uh, if there's a cost, if someone's going to die, it matters more. Of course, yes, I know. And Joss, and, oh my God, let's not forget Serenity. Yeah. Gosh, you can keep Shepard. Fuck Shepard, but why? I like Shepard. What is wrong with you? 
Okay, so... Well, I was... Well, yeah, but no, curious I, about I, that. I told that story to establish the fact that there's always been kind of a war between Fox and the two networks that came up after that. I don't understand why. I mean, everybody kind of gave Fox a chance when it was the newbie back in 87. So why is it in 95 when the WB and UPN show up, all of a sudden it's like, well, now this is war. It's like you're taking off our turf. And the problem. critic was part of that little tiff. And Fox refused to let the rights go until UPN lost interest. They were worried that the critic would be successful at another network, and they blew it. So, of course. Yeah, so basically UPN lost interest. They moved on. They got other something else going, and uh, the show ended. Of course, there is the short webisodes you can find, but it's just not the same. Yeah. Oh, what cunts these mortals be. God, not now, please. Please don't smite. Please don't smite. Not right now. Thank you. All right. Sorry about that. Yeah, I know. Sometimes he'll, I mean, whenever something cool like that happens, God will tend to intervene and get really pissed. All right. All right. <laughs> that got weird. And, and, uh, <laughs> of course, the show would not be as successful without the voice cast. The animation, oh, I'll God, give you yeah. credit, the animation is truly beautiful. I have never seen animation quite like this. And the fact that it's a love letter to New York and movies separates it from a lot of the cartoons. A lot of the cartoons now and then are either completely absurd or if there's some sort of grounded in reality, it's about families. This is the one where it's pseudo-family-ish because, you know, it's a relationship between him and his son. But for the most part, it's a workplace comedy. And there's been very few cartoons like that. Maybe Gilbert. Uh, well, I can't think of another one. Bob's Burgers, both family and workplace. Of course, yeah. But this one, I mean, it also, as far as family goes, he does visit his parents who are, like, extremely rich, yet he decides to become a movie critic and, you know, lives in his own apartment. And I love how it, like, makes jokes that, like, you know, people like Woody Allen, especially with their, especially with what he did, you know, divorcing Mia Farrow and marrying his, you know, adopted daughter. <laughs> I remember there was one time when they were, you know, take their, you know, taking their kids to the, you know, you, uh, United Nations for like a school field trip project and Woody Allen shows up with his daughter and he's like oh this is a school field trip I thought it was the prom <laughs> my favorite of the movie parodies and it always sticks in my brain of course everybody loves the Arnold Schwarzenegger ones that seemed to be a regular recurring sketch but there's one where it's very very short all it is is Edward Plunger hands squishing his hand into the toilet you can hear the splash 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 and he goes kill me and it's, it's, it's so morbid. It's so twisted. It is. Yeah. I know. I love how this cartoon, this cartoon's like humor and like, you know, random setups with different characters is like a precursor to Family Guy. Yeah. You can definitely tell Family Guy got influence from this. Yeah, and I think one of my favorite, one of my favorite parodies would have to be the one of uh, Silence of the Lambs where uh, Clarice and Hannibal are married. <laughs> the, uh, oh, gosh. The test audiences and... Uh, just the, actually, the general audience has really hated this cartoon. They sent in so much hate mail for it. That was part of the reason why ABC ditched it in the first place. Now, Fox at the time was still kind of a newbie, and they were looking for controversy. A lot of the shows they would have in the beginning were in poor taste or would just be kind of testing the grounds of what what can we get away with on television. And the critics seemed like a really good fit, especially since it was from the company that brought you this in. This is from James L. Brooks's company, and... You'd think that Fox would have braced it better, but same problems. Better ratings, oddly enough. The audience still had a backlash. I know. The audience, will, the audience will always complain about something. I mean, heck, look at the new uh, Muppets show. Oh, oh, my gosh. That's a great show. Uh, I don't understand what's wrong with people. 
the problem with fanboys and, and nostalgia is the fact that they refuse to move on from the original thing that they were exposed to. It's you have to give a franchise room to somewhere to go. You cannot keep repeating yourself to please the original fans because then you just end up with something stagnant and then nobody wants to. The Muppets, the show right now, it may not last, but it's a fun experiment. It aims higher. And yes, I know they make marijuana jokes and all sorts of things that are a little risque, but grow up. The people who grew up, oh, with, no. the people who uh, watched The Muppets Now are people my age. And he, uh, it works for both groups. It was always kind of subversive. I, it does. I know, and I like how it's like, uh, plus, I mean, there have been kind of adult, uh, there have been adult jokes throughout like The Muppet Show, but this one's become more adult and more along the lines of like The Office and Parks and Recreation. I mean, I'm watching it, like, when it comes to, like, Fozzie Bear, like, going on a date with his, uh, meeting his, par- meeting his girlfriend's parents, and he's like, well, what about when you have kids? Are they going to go, are, are, where are they going to go to the bathroom? In the woods? And then Fozzie gets really offended. He's like, that is an offensive stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I uh, know, I mean, honestly, like, it still stays true to the character. It's like, yeah, Kermit and Piggy are broken up, but, you know, Kermit's got a new girlfriend, Denise. We'll see how she turns out. I missed episode two, but from episode one... I was laughing hysterically. Yeah, two. Is I could not get enough. One. Of it. The second episode's a little bit weaker, but they have room to, you know, try to figure out where they're going. Uh, let's get back hey, on the subject at hand. Let's let's hold off on okay, the rest of that stuff till later. Uh, okay. So the voice cast of the critic, uh, of course, is John Lovitz. If you can't figure that out, then you obviously were not a Saturday Night Live fan. He's kind of faded from, uh, you know, basically be relevant. Have you even seen John Lovitz lately? Uh, last time I saw him was in a Yellow Pages commercial. Oh, my, wow. <laughs> the, uh, at the time of this cartoon, he was incredibly hot. He left Saturday Night Live in 1990. He, I believe, did Mom and Dad Save the World, which is a fan favorite, especially of yours and mine. Mm-hmm. He did City Slickers 2, which didn't do very well. And then he did a god-awful piece of crap. Uh, it's with Dana Carvey and Nicolas Cage. Oh, was it robbing the bank? Yeah, yeah, Trapped in Paradise. And Yeah, that's it. I think he found himself at a crossroads where he was going to be back on television. He still has some contractual obligations that he had to continue, so that's why he did this show. They were supposed to do it live action, but they said it was going to cost so much money that it was for the fast that they did do it as an animated show. But I feel like it'd be kind of fun. I think it'd be affordable now and fun if you got the critic back as a live action show because Jay Sherman... And uh, John Lovitz were pretty much the same age when the show was made. So wouldn't it be weird if you took that world and made it live action, but kept the yeah. ages? You know, so now his son is like in his 30s, whatever. And, you know, he's, what, he's headed what, towards 60 now? So it'd be kind of interesting to see yeah. what the characters are as live action. And now that special effects of blue screen and everything like that, it'd be a lot cheaper to do the movie parody. Oh, of course, definitely. I mean, uh... I mean, I just lo- I just love hearing John Lovitz's voice, especially like even his like little stints in Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, where you're watching, you know, like especially in Wedding Singer, where he just goes, "He's losing his mind, and, and I am reaping all of the benefits." <laughs> or Betty, oh God, one of my favorite one of my favorite I think moments that he had was in a Little Nicky, where he's just the perv looking at the mom, <laughs> seeing I, I Ladies Night. I can't even remember Little Nicky at all. Maybe that's for the best. I love how he just goes, "Oh, I wish you'd let me rub those feet." Of course, I wouldn't use my hand. <laughs> he does this weird, funny, nasally laugh. And, he's <laughs> and then he says this one line where she's like, you know, about to take off her bra. And he's like, 
I dearly dear those things for me. The uh, oh, most infamous characters, uh, well, besides the acting character that I love so much, was uh, he was playing the compulsive liar. And oh, my God. That... <laughs> the character means a lot more to me now than it ever has because, as I'm not sure if I've actually discussed this on the show, this year has been an epic disaster in employment, and I had a job for a very short period of time where uh, my supervisor was a out-of-control, compulsive liar. The only difference between him and the John Lovitz character is that this guy was pretty sadistic and pretty messed up, and he would do horrible, horrible things to get away with his lies, and that's why I don't work there anymore. And, ah, uh, yeah. I know. I'm terribly sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, you, oh, were, well. you were there at the beginning hearing all these stories. Like, there's no, no, there's no way. You, you couldn't possibly be like... Uh, Oh, yeah, Jimmy Buffett's a real good friend of mine. Yeah, I played on his first two albums. Oh, I'm a massive no, guitar player. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, the day before, he was like, yeah, I only know how to play the mandolin. I, I, I played a little bit of guitar in bar bands. But you can't just sit, sit there and switch stuff on me. So it brought me back to the compulsive lie, and I was like, yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was married to Morgan yeah. Fairchild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember that one with Mick Jagger, and Mick Jagger was lying with him. Yeah. Oh, wow, I forgot about that one. <laughs> oh, God, I could not help it. It was just so ridiculous. Or better yet, the one with Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> I don't remember that one. I remember the They were in a jail cell. <laughs> there was a sketch where they, uh, it was Tonto, Frankenstein, and Tarzan. And it was Kevin Nealon, uh, John Lovitz, and... Um, Bill Hartman, and basically yeah, they're, all, they're, Hartman. They're, they're, they're these guys that basically either are monosyllabic or they can barely just they can't they just grunt and make oddball sounds and just trying to get a sketch together. It's such absurd characters. <laughs> exactly that, and I remember them trying to do a sing along, and all Phil Hartman's character would say most of the time, just as Frankenstein's monster would say, "Fire bad, fire bad." Yeah. Yeah, like I said, honestly, I would love. I mean. There are some great vocal performances, and of course, for me personally, definitely John Lovitz. I mean, I love him. He's creative. He's hilarious. I, I still like love him to this day. The gentleman who plays his dad is uh, Garrett Graham. His dad is actually quite insane in this cartoon. There's a lot of humor to be found in that. Uh, Garrett Graham is kind of a cult icon. The movies that he's done are usually pretty memorable, even though I don't see him anymore. What I specifically remember him from is Used Cars and... Uh, chud too, bud the chud. But he did a movie I just saw for the first time, and I guess it's a phenomenon, especially in Canada, is Phantom of the Paradise. Have you ever seen this movie? No, I'll have to look it up. Oh my god, it's, it's magnificent. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Brian De Palma, I think it's his third movie, and it's truly one of the strangest, most captivating, and Garrett Graham is my favorite part of that movie. He's so insane. Yeah, who else? Oh yeah, another voice actress. There's Nancy Cartwright, Christine Cavanaugh, uh, Doris Grau and Judith Ivy. Those were like the main ones. Yeah, Judith Ivy. Uh, I believe was on a show called Grand. I used to watch it. She was in uh, the Lonely Guy with Steve Martin. She's fantastic in that. She's in the Woman in Red. Um, oh. Right, what is the show that she was in in the early '90s? I really enjoyed. Oh, Down Home. Down Home was a, a really nice show that did well in its first season, but I think by the time it got to the end, uh, NBC just decided to move on and didn't get re- it didn't get renewed. I really enjoyed it though. Yeah. And oh yeah. You can't ignore Maurice LaMarche. 
who is one of the greatest voice actors of all time. Uh, like I said earlier, Pinky in the Brain. Uh, he's also he's basically one of Warner Brothers' go-to guys. Him and Rob Paulson. Um, anytime that they had a cartoon in the '90s, those two seemed somehow to be involved. Oh wow! Yeah, no, I definitely hear Maurice LaMarche uh, quite often. I mean, especially like when it comes to uh, doing Marlon Brando impressions or. You know, something like Peter Lorre or even, you know, Anthony Hopkins in that, you know, <clears throat> or Anthony Hopkins in that uh, Silence of the Lamb sketch that they did in The Critic. And also uh, Orson Welles. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, Ed Wood. Uh, it's infamous as a scene at the end of the movie. I think it's Vincent D'Onofrio playing Orson Welles, but his voice is done by Maurice LaMarche, who just... He had a real way of locking in on a very deep voice. I used to be able to do it, but I haven't done that voice in a while. Same thing we try to do every day, Pinky. Try to take over the world. What are we going to do tonight, Brian? <laughs> but it always, I always had trouble with uh, the brain's voice, but I could do Pinky pretty well. I think uh, we have somebody at home going, That's What are we going to do tonight, Brian? Something like that. I, it's called a bouncy way to it. It's called a little bouncy. <laughs> like that. I don't know. I can't hit the high pitch. Yeah. I'm too much of a bass. Yeah, you got you got a deeper, gravelly voice. I got kind of a nasally <laughs> voice. <laughs> yeah, you do. You kind of do, but yeah. it's not that bad. I'm trying to listen to some of the episodes and load them up to YouTube, and I find myself listening to my voice going, "Man, really? Is that what I sound like?" So you'll notice every once in a while, I'll do an episode with my voice like this. Hey, everybody, welcome to Back in Tunes, and I find myself relaxing by the end. So of you're trying episode, to like, do it. Oh, you're trying to do an Ed Sullivan impression. Something. <laughs> I don't know if it's Ed Sullivan, but it's. I don't know. I just. I wish I had a different voice. I don't even know how I did it. How did I work in radio with this voice? How did I do that? I but, don't know. I, um, maybe I hey, sounded different back then. Yeah, but hey, you don't have a. Uh, you don't have Gilbert Godfrey's voice, just be thankful for that. Oh, well, he gets jobs. Have you listened to his podcast? It's really popular. He gets lots of voice work, as long as he stops making tsunami jokes, of course. Oh, of course. Oh, okay. I'll have to listen to his podcast then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, I have to say this. Uh, the the podcast is fine, but it's only because of his co-host, Frank Sancho Padre. Uh, he has a really great voice, and he asks the real questions. While well, eh, half the time, you find that... Uh, uh, brain fart. Oh my god. Who are we talking about? Uh, we were talking about Gilbert Godfrey Gilbert and Godfrey. like voices. These moments in my day, okay, I had this moment happen earlier where I did something really stupid. I was oh no, we're about... talking about the voice actor. Yeah. Uh, Gilbert Godfrey, uh, basically his entire podcast seems to be him laughing his ass off and then telling insanely filthy jokes while the guest just kind of sits there and goes, uh, is this a real show? Did the interview start? What's going on here? And then the other guy, Frank Santopadre, has to come in and save the day. Right. No, Maurice LaMarche was the guy we were discussing with the deep right. voice. Uh, Charles Napier is the other one that's really important. Of course, there's lots of great actors in this whole thing, but uh, Charles Napier was in every single episode, and he did pass four years ago. He is one of those guys where you look at his face, and you're just like, I'm getting my ass kicked by this guy. <laughs> if I say one thing wrong, and he just had a real... He had, I can't get the hit a real Texas draw and a slow, like, I ain't taking no bullshit voice. That's not even close to what he right. said, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. It's all good, man. I understand. I'm an understanding person. And uh, I unless, think... unless you're someone like Donald Trump, then no, fuck no, you. No. <laughs> hey, uh, I think that we're done with this episode now. Yeah, I, yeah, it, it's done. It was done a few minutes ago. <laughs> uh, uh, everybody, if... Uh, 
you were watching the cartoons. Sorry about that awkwardness. I don't really watch the cartoons anymore. I never really did in the first place. I kind of had them running in the background, but I'm just too busy like looking at stuff and kind of reminding myself of things. But uh, I'm here. I'm paying attention. I apologize if for a minute I just go off track. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So okay. is there anything else you want to say about the critic? I hope it does come back somehow soon. Maybe Judd Apatow will get something together. I mean, he's got a lot of star power. I mean, Judd Apatow's, you know, still making his movies, still involved, especially when it comes to like, you know, Lena Dunham's Girls. He's well, definitely doing. He, they're definitely having a lot of great success with that. So I hopefully, like this, maybe this is something that he could bring since Sony owns the rights. I think it would be time to bring it to Hulu. They're really starting to compete with Netflix, and I think it's the right time to not only bring the episodes to streaming. Uh, by the way, you can pick the, up the entire set, uh, all ep- uh, all 23 episodes plus the webisodes, in a nice little box set. Uh, you can get it cheap at Amazon or something like that. Well, of course. Don't for Amazon unless they're going to pay me. <laughs> Got it. All right, so everybody, we're going to take okay. a break real quick, and uh, we'll get you the entertainment news, and then we'll come back with Dr. Katz. Entertainment news has been brought to you by Dan's Booger Farm. Whether they're brown or green, sticky or dry, long or small, let Dan do the picking for you. Thanks, Dan, for that uh, sponsorship. All right, Jacob, what's in the news? All right, so uh, October 6th, video game-wise, Transformers Devastation comes out for PS4, PS3, Xbox 360, and Xbox One. And I kid you, uh, what they've done is by Platinum Games and Activision, they really created, I think, this like more very open like action adventure Transformers game, and the look of it is amazing. It's cell shaded, and it's bringing back the whole '80s cartoon look. Yeah, it looks fantastic. When I saw the animation style, I was like, oh, oh, they're not going with a CGI look, or they're not going with the movie look. They're going with old school animation. Is it is it flat animation? Is it like the Borderlands style where it looks like it's three dimensional, but then it's like two D? Say that again. I said, uh, is it 3D animation, like the way it is with Borderlands, where it's then like flattened to 2D, like a stylized 2D? Oh yeah, no, it's going to be like full on like 3D, but it's going to be stylized like the 80s cartoon, okay. you know, cell shaded cartoon like. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, it yeah. looks like I said. I'm. I don't know why I didn't say cell shaded. I said flattened, but I guess that was the old term by taking some 3D and making it look 2D. Exactly, but I kid you not. I'm I'm probably not going to pick this up right away. I'll probably give it some time, then maybe pick it up. I just want to see the reviews first. I mean, it looks great, but I'm like, eh, is it going to be repetitive? Is it going to be replayable? Is there going to be a lot of great DLC? I don't know. I'm not really looking too forward to this one, but I it does look exciting. I'm not going to I'm not going to deny that. Yeah, I'm totally going to check that out. It looks also, exciting. yeah, and also I know on the 26th of this month, I believe, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure is Halo Five. And I know people are, I know Xbox gamers are absolutely nuts for that, but I mean, it's, it's whatever. It's like, I guess Master Chief dies from all the trailers and whatnot. You're a a PlayStation person, right? I'm an Xbox person. True. Yeah. I'm a PlayStation person and I'm really excited to see what Sony will be able to do with, oh my gosh, especially with some of the, you know, content only for PS4, like they did with uh, Arkham Knight. Like they've had like these uh, scarecrow races that came back came out back in June, but the one game I'm really really looking forward to that's coming out on uh, let's see November fifteenth. Okay, actually two games. I lied. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, the two games I'm really looking forward to in November are Star Wars Battlefront. 
That one I pre-ordered. That one I'm absolutely jazzed about. Yeah, totally. Jizzy jazz. <laughs> I mean, like, oh my god, I'm pulling my pants jazz. <laughs> I mean, considering it's by the guys like EA, you know, EA, it's by EA and Dice, you know, Sweden, who are huge fans of Star Wars. I mean, you just look at the visuals of it. They've captured. They went and actually took photos of the models on, you know, Skywalker, you know, that they had stored away, and it's oh. Gosh, I don't even know what else to say. I can't even get the words out of my mouth. I just, uh, all I can do is moan in, <laughs> I can do, I can just make orgasmic moans out of the sheer excitement and deliciousness of how it looks. And I'm just, and the beta comes out in a few days. I, I don't think I've ever been sexually so, aroused by a video game description before, but you just totally did that to me. I know, that wasn't the first game that did it to me. Batman Arkham Knight was the one that did that to me. Bing, first time, too. All right, yeah. and then another game that's coming out, everybody's, Everybody's just, just gone batshit crazy for Fallout 4. It was a bit of a surprise at E3. Not Everyone's just like, holy shit, it's Not coming out. Not Fallout at all. And Not one bit. You never followed Fallout? No, I, I had, I, had uh, I think, Fallout 3. I got it, like, uh, dirt cheap on, like, a Black Friday thing, and I was bored out of my mind. I want to blow shit up. I don't want to wander. If I wanted to wander, I'll go back in time to 1993, get my PC out, and do some point-and-click games. At least then, they were created by LucasArts, and they had, like, a comical style, and they're really cool-looking. No, this is more like a, well, everyone's like, I get to shoot things, but it's more like mist. And I do not like it, and I know it's probably going to drive some people nuts. I don't care. You're entitled to your opinion. However, I'm not going to agree with it, so fuck you, Michael. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. kidding, I'm kidding. Here's, Breathe. Here's something I want to discuss Breathe. in the news. Breathe, child. The news just reported that, uh, the news, like it's, like it's a beast of running around, hey, we got news to give you, we got your hookup. Uh, basically, the Terminator franchise is on hold indefinitely. <laughs> now, you saw the Terminator. I did not. I thought it looked like garbage. I'm not surprised. What did you think of the last one? Uh, what the fuck is what I was thinking? Awful, wasn't it? I mean, honestly, to me, it weakened the character of Sarah Connor. I mean, I love Amelia Clark, but what the fuck? And why? And all the lame-ass jokes are trying to humanize Terminator by, you know, saying, oh, protect my Sarah. Like, what the fuck was that? He would never say anything like that. Yeah. The the problem with this, the, I mean, he's not human. They should have moved on from Schwarzenegger. They should have gone in a different direction. But what I've heard is that the uh, guy who owns the rights, basically the guy who's in charge of producing all this, the head of Skydance, did not listen to any notes from James Cameron. Did not listen to anything from Warner or who's it? Paramount. Paramount is the one that released it. Uh, basically, anybody that had any real sway, he refused to listen to. He had a vision for creating like a massive world with spinoffs and sequels that he was going to he was going to force out there as fast as possible before James Cameron got the rights back. And the only thing that I can say that comes out of this that would even please me in any way whatsoever is Paramount gets really desperate. Takes a meeting with MGM, and RoboCop versus Terminator finally comes out. I know. I was hoping for a RoboCop versus Terminator. I'm hoping for a sequel to RoboCop. Right. I mean, there was nothing right. wrong. I honestly, I saw nothing wrong with the re- with the, the reboot of the franchise. I saw nothing wrong with it at all. There was, I mean, big deal. Again, fanboys. Oh, it didn't have the gore, or it didn't have the, it didn't have that. It didn't have all the stupid parodies. Eh. It still had all the political parodies. That was a major thing these days, especially these days. Yeah, when you got Samuel Jackson it's announcing that shit. Movie. It's just a different movie. Deal with it. It has to be. When you do an exact remake, 
you actually damage the original by doing something like that. If you take the concept and spin it in a different direction with a whole new tone, not only do you create a new franchise or the potential of a new franchise, you also preserve the original. And they did it exactly the way they should have. And I think that the first one, the first one, I mean, sorry, not the first one, the remake was so expensive. I think it cost $110 million or something like that. If you take out all the names, if you cut out all the fact that they spent like $20 million in just pre-production costs being attached to Darren Aronofsky, all the script rewrites, all that stuff, if you cut the movie down in time, shoot it in Canada or, you know, somewhere cheap, you can make a decent sequel for half the price. And the international on the first movie was very, very strong. I think there is room to move with a sequel at a lower budget or, please, 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 do a Terminator versus Robocop. Alright, also, in other news, um, this, well, today, which is Friday, Pan was released, which is, of course, like, the origins of Peter Pan, you know, before Hook was Hook, before the whole crocodile thing, before, you know, Tinkerbell a bit. Blackbeard goes and takes, you know, Peter, and evidently there's this prophecy of a boy who could fly, really kind of just, you know, episode one-ing Peter Pan. Yes, of course, that's an insult to, of course, Star Wars episode one. And (laughs) this is what annoys me. I'm just annoyed by this. I mean, visually it looks fantastic. I'll give it a shot, maybe on discount Tuesday. But what? (sighs) Tiger Lily was whitewashed. Come on! Ugh! Okay. Yeah, I don't know what to say about this movie. It looks very, very expensive. They're releasing it at an oddball time, which makes you think that it's not very good. If you spend $150 million a movie, you usually do not open. I know President's Day weekend is at least a decent weekend, but then you got a whole month until, or a month or more until vacation for Thanksgiving and stuff like that. So I don't understand why they're releasing this right now. It seems like something that should be released a couple months ago or, or, or maybe in December. It looks very, very costly, but it looks like it's fun. I'm actually really excited. It looks lush. Uh, the actors look like they're having a lot of fun. And I'm going to give hey, it a shot. I would, too. I like Garrett Hedlund. I mean, he's playing Hook, a young James Hook. You know what he should be playing is in Tron uh, 3. You know, that's what driving me nuts. They should be filming that right now. Damn <laughs> 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 oh, you, Disney. It's like we love Disney. I mean, they're just too focused on Marvel and Star Wars. This is so annoying. And live adaptations of movies that have already been done. Right. You know, they're never going to make Song jump. of the South. They're never going to do a live action it's version like, of that. Well, it was kind of live action anyway. But, you know, there's certain things that are like, eh, Fox and the Hound live action, not going to happen. Uh, maybe Sword in the Stone. Yeah. I think they're doing Sword in the Stone. How about Black Cauldron? Okay, maybe. Well, go, Black Cauldron needs another chance. All right, that was. I mean, that was BS. The terrible. Well, yeah, they need to get it right. Got. It's isn't it like a trilogy or something like that? And uh, the movie only covered like a book and a half, and they need to cover like the way they did with the uh, Lord of the Rings cartoon. They covered the first book and a half. Um, when the first two, yeah, yeah Ralph Bakshi did it, and then uh, Rankin Bass took over for the last half, I think. For yeah, for Return of the King, which sucks. also. Yeah, it did. It was all musical and cheery, and it did, it cut out Legolas and Gimli. I'm like, wait a minute, we're the other two members of the Fellowship. Yeah. All you see born for a few seconds. I'm like, that's it. Fuck you, Rankin Bass. <laughs> <laughs> the Hobbit fucked up Return of the King. Ranked you right in the bass. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, oh gosh, what else was I gonna say? Yeah, no, Tron Three was supposed to be filming this fall. Yep. And but no, Disney has the crap. 
I know. Honestly, I don't care if, you know, King Louie is going to be played by Christopher Walken in Jungle Book. I don't want to see any more live adaptations. Oh. Except maybe Cinderella. Just yeah. the, uh, in cartoon news, uh, there was an announcement saying that they're going to be doing a live... I don't know why I said live. That's just dumb. A full-length animated Ghostbusters movie. Ooh. Was, that, was, really? was that goofy? <laughs> what was that? That was just a hype. Cracking squeal. <laughs> yeah, they announced it today that they're developing a animated film. That's like Sony's new thing, is they're going to have a live-action franchise, but at the same time, they seem to be like, you know what, we got wiggle room for a full-length animated movie. So, you know, they're doing the Spider-Man one, and now they're doing uh, a Ghostbusters. Well, it has to actually be made first. I'm still sad they pulled the plug on Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, you know what? It's insulting to everybody that they never bothered to finish the trilogy. Just eat the cots. Finish the story. Leaving people hanging is a slap in the face. You don't like what Andrew Garfield said about the franchise? Tough. Finish it. Oh, it didn't make as much money as the last one. Tough. Finish it. And you screwed it up. And, and frankly, now I don't give a crap about the movie because they're just going to reboot it again. And again. And again. It's not well, like in a James Bond way. It's like uh, just ignoring everything that came before. Do not leave I, a movie open-ended like that. As far as, although I do want to say this, as far as it goes for uh, Spider-Man, uh, since they signed that deal with Marvel, they just they did announce that they're not rebooting. They're not going back to an origin. They're not doing that. We already know the story of Spider-Man. But I'm thinking they're going to recycle what they can from what they had in mind with Spider-Man 3 and incorporate it into the solo Spider-Man film. You know what? That that sounds like a decent idea. I'll go with that. If somehow they Same can reconfigure it with the same exact flow and outcome of part two, just say, hey, you know what? Different Spider-Man, different age, but we're still going in that direction, developing the Sinister Six. Exactly. And make Gwen Stacy dead. No one else can replace Gwen Stacy. No. The, uh, they're saying Craven is going to be the villain, which has me excited, even though he's kind of low-end. So I think it'll be Craven, and I bet you it'll be uh, another, like, well, Craven in the Spider-Man universe has always been kind of a B or C-level character. They're probably going exactly. to who who can they pull out that's kind of animalistic for him to hunt besides Spider-Man? Carrion? Do you remember Carrion at all? No. Real quick, as I think they did cast Billy Zane, but they didn't say who he was going to play. Do you think he's going to be playing Craven? That would be great. I love Billy Zane. I always awesome. thought Billy Zane would be the perfect Lex Luthor, and not because he's bald, just because he has that wild it's energy. That voice too, and that voice of his too. I mean, he's definitely got that you know deep tone down. Also, yeah, no, I, Billy Zane, he doesn't look any older. He could still pull it off. He could yeah. still look like he play, he'd be in his 30s. He's a beautiful man. I'm not going to deny that. And he was, he was the perfect phantom. I know Bruce Campbell was second runner-up, and he would have been fun, but I just don't think he had the same vibe that Billy Zane had. No, I don't think he would have either. I mean, plus Bruce Campbell would have been a little bit too more comedic. But, I mean, I lo don't get me wrong, he would have been a strong set. He was a close, I'm sure he's a close second. But, yeah, no, Billy Zane was a better phantom. All right, so I think that brings us to the end of our entertainment news. And again, uh, sponsored by Dan's Booger Farm. So make sure you go to, well, there's only one location because, frankly, there's no way he can have multiple locations unless he, like, licenses out other noses. Like, like uh, I, mean, I don't know. What do you, how do you do that? Are you puking? <laughs> I'm trying not to. Thank you. <laughs> All right, everybody, so it's time for Dr. Katz, a professional therapist. 
Now, this is, this is a favorite one of mine. It's, it's so unusual, and it uh, introduced Squiggle Vision to the world. And I keep waiting for the theme song to kick in, and it's not. Wow, that's really laid back. I feel like I should be in a coffee house. Discussing peace on earth. Eating cookies. Hey, guys. You got a biscotti I can dip in my coffee? My cappuccino? Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, be one of the cool hipsters. <laughs> yeah, this show ran on Comedy Central, what feels like forever. And it was always one of those things, at the time, I was obsessed with Comedy Central. It would be pretty much the only channel I'd watch. I, I would get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, watching Short Attention Span Theater. And uh, basically come home from school and watch it again for hours. And basically I would watch stand-up. The stand-up, stand-up, stand-up. There was comics only. Uh, oh, I can't remember. It was Night After Night, I think, with Alan Hayden. Uh, Paul Provenza had a show. I think that was the comics only. They had, <laughs> Of course, they had Mystery Science Theater. They had uh, oh, yeah. stand-up, stand-up. And that was kind of a uh, stand-up, stand-up. And uh, Short Attention Span Theater had a rotating cast. It was like whoever wasn't out on tour at that moment was available to host. And this is the first oh, yeah. that I would see Jon Stewart, Aisha Tyler, Mark Maron, uh, so many others. Uh, Brian Regan, was, uh, I saw him host the show and uh, really put me in that world. I was so obsessed with stand comedy. It still stuns me to this day that I never really gave that much of a try. Uh, I, think, I, think, I think I am going to put together a set and try to do some open mics. But... <laughs> You did? Did you do uh, open mic recently, or did you chicken? Oh no, I didn't have the freaking time. Oh okay, because you said you were gonna go, and I was like, oh, I gotta find out, and I forgot. I just totally forgot until right now. I know. I got yeah, I know. I mean, I got a routine. I'll probably do it next open mic next Friday, which is also payday. Yeah. So yeah. Where? Where Maybe. is that? Oh, it's at the um Black and White Center in Napa. Where the hell is that? That's what it's called. Is this a slacks? New? Yeah, I know. It's just this. Uh, it's like this. A uh, kind of indie um, art, little art center where people can uh, rent their own little stu- rent their own little studio, have their own little space, create their pieces, huh. you know, have it displayed in their little art galleries, and then they have open mic night in the little yeah, Slacks Collective. That's what it's called. Yeah, you should hone your act and go to the city. That's San Francisco is like the birth of the alternative scene, and uh, that's a great place for you to develop that kind of style. Yeah. There's there's different styles. Uh, in stand-up comedy, and in 1994 is when alternative comedy really started to take over, and you can kind of see a mixture of the old school and the new school on Dr. Katz. Basically, the show works like this. It's squiggle vision, so it's kind of like a oddball, weird, animated style, but what catches you onto the show is the fact that it's kind of improv. They have an outlining Line, but when it comes to the comedian and Dr. Katz sitting down and having a chat, that's kind of a wing. You know, they're kind of uh, improving, but at the same time doing pieces from their live stand-up. It was, it was like a way of promoting yourself in this cartoon. Yeah, it, I guess. I mean, I was uh, as far as it comes to uh, <clears throat> as far as it comes to Dr. Katz. I mean, this it's not my forte. I barely ever watched it. The only thing I really cared about was uh, mainly South Park. Yeah, of course it was controversial and a huge show. Dr. Katz, I think, was a very strong cult following, but it never broke out beyond its little group. It was kind of a comics comic version of a cartoon. If you were in the comedy world, 
you knew this show or if you're a huge fan it's something you really got interested in whereas south park was more mainstream in its uh appeal you know it's shock and awe, yeah. but at the same time like crazy style and animation something revolutionary dr cast was kind of a quiet uh, quiet show that you just kind of had to sit with yeah it did i mean you get it after a I mean, you would get it, like, if you were, like, a little older or a teenager, yeah, and you I got wittier humor. I have to admit that I didn't really get the show until years later. I, I sat through probably a dozen episodes when it was originally on, but it wasn't something, like, I had to find. If it just happened to be on, I'll watch it. But it was later when I discovered that the complete series is available on DVD, and it's actually kind of hard to find, I think. I don't think they've re So you can find a ton of episodes on YouTube. That's where uh, I just watched it. And... I think as you get older, especially if you are really interested in stand-up comedy, it, it has more appeal. Right. Now, John, I, I think I'll have to look into that. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, it, so it's like from like a, it's kind of like listening to stand-up or like situations that people would discuss in stand-up. Yeah, they they write the plot based around the improvs. That's what they they do the improvs first, and then they do the animation around that. It's very very limited animation. They said it's computer animation, which I find strange because. I guess it would be impossible to do the squiggle vision, you know? It's impossible just right. to kind of draw it in that fashion. So I guess they do the original outline, and then they take uh, the... I don't know how squiggle vision works. If someone knows, tell me, because it's kind of hard to explain. But basically, you're watching it, and it just wiggles the whole time. It kind of has, like, an energy to it. The first season of Home Movies, which is also from this company, was also in squiggle vision. But when it went over to Cartoon Network, they went with standard animation. And honestly, it's a little more appealing that way. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, if anything, that's probably what makes it so unique as well is the actual animation of it. I mean, as you discussed with Critic, you know, that's one of the things that made Critic so awesome. And Jonathan Katz is, of course, the main character, Doc Katz. He's not really a household name when it comes to comedy, so I'm kind of wondering how it is that the show even came to be because he wasn't like, oh, this guy has a cult following or he did a really good set, you know, he had a good uh, one hour on HBO and then they came to him about the cartoon. So I really don't understand how it started. But it's also the very first place that we would be experiencing the power, the wonder that is John Benjamin. Now, you know who John Benjamin is, right? Do tell? Bob Refresh. Burgers. Oh, oh, you mean the one who talks like this the whole time? Yeah. He, he yeah, oh, God. and of course he was also in a, a Wet Hot American Summer, uh, First Day of Camp. The talking can of beans. <laughs> At least that's what he was in the movie. I haven't seen the, the sequel yet. Well, um, he's, also yeah, in, no. he's in home movies. He almost always plays his own voice. The only time that he does is he has kind of a nasally voice in the home movies, but then he'll go to his normal voice when he plays coach. Brendan, Brendan, get over here. <laughs> It's just, honestly, it's so hard to distinguish. I mean, after watching Bob Burgers, you can't really move on from that, except for when, he, when he's Chris's boss in uh, Family Guy. I don't remember that. Uh, it's probably because I don't watch Family Guy very often because it, it causes me in, intestinal pain. <laughs> uh, just watch it on Netflix. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's it. It'll save you some time. Just watch it on Netflix. I'm not going to explain anything. <laughs> now, Dr. Katz lasted six seasons which is stunning for a cable cartoon i read that and my brain wasn't processing it properly uh, and it's also the fact that it was surprising i did not know this that it was a comic strip in newspapers for three years and i never once oh. saw it that's kind of funny oh yeah that is kind of funny oh we'll have to look them up 
We'll Google it. Yeah, I'm sure somebody out there has it. It's collected. Uh, part of it's collected up in one book, so you can get it that way. It's uh, I've got my own problems. The thing I like about the cartoon is not just the improv and the fact that you get to see all of these comedians that were hot at the time or rising show up and do their bits. It was the relationship between him and his son. It was such a silly, weird energy between the two, and it always amused me to no end. Right. Yeah, no, like I said, I'm completely oblivious to Dr. Katz. I barely watched it. Oh, okay. Did you, I watch, any, did I, did you watch any of your assignments this week? What? What do you mean, watch the assignment? Special Agent Jacob, like, did you not accept your assignment of watching episodes of Dr. Katz? I didn't receive any special assignment whatsoever, sir. I'm going to fire my secretary. Hold on. You bet. F off. See ya. Don't let the door hit your ass. <laughs> 81 you really episodes. Have to what? What? Like, did you really have to shoot him? My God, man. Uh, you know what? I just don't want her releasing any of my secrets. You know, what's on my iPod or... You know, uh, what, been, what my socks been smell with her then. like. You know, I just I, I can't let that happen. I have too many personal secrets I gotta keep hidden away. You twit. I am. I'm half. I'm kind of a moron. Yeah, you are. <laughs> but you're my you're my moron. I don't know you why when I, when I say hee hee, I almost sound like Michael Jackson. And me going hee hee sounds hee hee. <laughs> did win a major award, a Peabody Award, which is actually kind of a fancy Nancy little thing. And it's uh, kind of cool that uh, it got nominated for that because I think it's probably the only animated show that ever got it. Yeah, no, I like I said, I wouldn't be too surprised. I mean, it seemed, well, I mean, after watching the first episode, I mean, it's like, oh, wow, see, this seems like it has potential. All right, so I think oh, that brings us to the end of this episode. And um, Jacob, is there anything else you want to say? Uh, yeah, I don't really care much for Dr. Katz, sorry, uh, but, uh, really you guys, you guys are more, you're more than welcome to love it, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's kind of a unique flavor, uh, even the critic is kind of, uh, a very particular taste, you kind of have to be into that kind of, uh, that, not just the animation, but you gotta like John Lovitz, which he is an acquired taste, and the animation style is very unique, and, um, some of the people in middle America probably don't like the fact it's set in New York because it's filled with commies and Jews and and the the nerds and the gays and the oh god whatever yeah I always think Jeez. it's ridiculous whenever whenever a show they do like a um a group study and they always do it in the heart of America I'm just like you guys are morons there's no way this you cannot take that kind of show and and present it to someone in Iowa uh, or Kentucky. And they're going to take it the same way as the people on the coast. It kind of has to have. Don't a they always? I don't, I don't automatically mean that people in Iowa and Kentucky hate that they're all bigots. But I lived in Indiana. I was raised in Indiana. Things are a little different there. Of course, yes. Yeah, something. Yeah. Oh, well, honestly, if you want to know what life was like in the '60s, you could just go to Indiana. That's all I can <laughs> recommend right now. It's almost that way now. I, I have never been back. I left in 2003, and even though I have family there, I just don't want to go back. I don't blame you, especially with all the crap they've been doing, idiots. All right, everybody, this is the end of this episode. Check us out on Facebook under Back in Tunes, a special page we set up for all of our podcasts for Back in Tunes. If you want to check out the other shows that we do, we are under the Retro Rocket Entertainment page. There you can find Full Throttle TV, you can find Video Night, and Back in Tunes, and Stumbling Towards Adulthood, and whatever show we come up with next that will completely confuse you and make you wonder if we even know what we're doing. We don't. We don't. Wait, what? Not at all. What? Uh, what was that again? I don't what know. are we I've talking been, about? I've been drinking for like hours. What's going on? Where am I? Who are you? I'm your...
I'm your fairy godfather, sire. <laughs> yes. All right, everybody. I'll just good night. Be excellent <laughs> to each other, and good night. All right, now I'm saying good luck, you guys. Thank you for thank you for calling Woody's Adult Emporium, your home for all things retro. This is Hank. How can I be of service? Oh, hello. I thought you might be able to help me find some old movies. Uh, sure thing. What are the titles you're looking for? Well, it's a rather long list. I hope you have the time. All right. Well, people, yeah, we aren't too busy. Nobody really comes in around this early in the morning. Well, people tend not to wank and spank. I'm, I'm sorry. What was that? Oh, it was just a joke. I'm sorry, Woody. It's Hank. Oh, is Woody the owner? No, no, I'm the owner. I just thought Woody was a clever name. I mean, gets people's attention. People tend to not be aroused when the name Hank is bandied about. Can you imagine? Oh, Hank. Oh, Hank. Can you imagine that shit? Oh, right then. Uh, my name is Edward. Nice to meet you. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, go ahead with what you're looking for. All right, here we go. These are the movies I'm looking for. Are you ready? Yes. All right, the first one is Balls, starring Boris Schleider and directed by Steven Spielberg. Let's see. No, we don't have that one. Okay, okay. Uh, how about In Close Encounters of the Third Kind, starring Richard Dreypus? Oh, right, I remember that one. He, uh, he builds a giant boner out of mashed potatoes and says, This creams something. Classic scene. Do you have that one? No, we're completely out of print. Oh, well, that's a shame. Well, uh, how about Raiders of the Lost Ass, starring Harry Sunporn? Ah, yeah, that's an excellent flick. From the opening with the giant testicle that chases our hero to the end where everyone's face is covered in jizz. Perfect movie all around. We're sold out. Oh, drat. Well, how about the sequel, In Your End of Bones in the Temple of Poon? That's only available on Laserdick. Oh, I don't own one of those. Oh, to be perfectly frank, nobody does. I mean, the company that released that system recalled all of them, but still released 69 titles for it. I mean, incredibly poor thinking. Oh. Well, how about My Shaft is the Color Purple? Oh, God, that was never released. I mean, it was never, never, ever, ever released. I don't even know what, what went through their mind to even title it that. That was highly controversial. Oh, I always wondered about that movie. Well, how about But to the Future? Never heard of it. Seriously? It's one of the most successful adult films ever made. It stars Michael J. Fox and Christopher Laid. Never heard of it. Okay. Uh, Sploogies, Diane Sean Astin, and oddly enough, Corey Feltham. Oh, we uh, actually just sold that last copy. Bugger, I'm not doing very well with this. You do have quite the catalog available, correct? Biggest collection in the tri-state area. Right. How about Empire of the Buns? Nope. In Your Space, starring Penis Quaid? Nuh-uh. Jurassic Pork? Negative. Pull your geist. Not at all. How? Eat me the extra testicle? Uh, last copy was broken. You do have a large collection of vintage adult movies, correct? 
Most certainly. There was a great article about our collection written up in Meat Pounders Monthly. Oh, I definitely read that. Decade-long subscriber. But I find it hard to believe that none of these titles aren't available in your store. Um... Yeah. You got me. We got nothing. What do you mean, exactly? Oh, I, uh, I just made it all up. Uh, totally, totally faked. It seems now, in reflection, a lot of work for so little. Well... Why would you go to such extremes? Oh, well, I am incredibly lonely. Oh, and I can only get an erection when I hear people recite obscure porn titles to me over the phone. Oh. Well, I am certainly peeved. Good day, sir. <laughs> oh, hi. Oh, Welcome everybody to Back in Tunes Special Monster Halloween Edition. I'm your host. <laughs> I'm your host, Michael. Uh, Mike Kill. <laughs> and my co-host, uh, Jacob, you don't really have a monster name, do you? Shay. Jake the Snake Wolfman. <laughs> uh, I'm a wolf snake. We probably I'm should have both. We probably should made up names first. Um, so this episode, we're going to be discussing Beetlejuice we could, and the Adams Family. We That's could have done a tribute to Wolfman Jack. Oh, you, oh my God, you're right. Did you know that Wolfman Jack had a cartoon? No, what? Yes. That's awesome. It only lasted, I think, at most 13 episodes. You can't find a history of it anywhere except for IMDb. No one seems to know anything about this. Every cartoon in history somehow has a clip available on YouTube except for this. I mean, I've even found, like, really rare stuff, but it's, like, in German. There's nothing. There's nothing with Wolfman at all. I, I found one picture, and I shared it on Cartoon Brew. If you are an animation fan, go to Cartoon Brew or Cartoon Research. The guys that run them, they used to work together on Cartoon Brew, and they kind of went off in different directions. They are the kings of animation history. They've written books on it. They've done special features for DVDs. These guys are awesome. Oh, yeah, dude, that's good to know. Yeah, well, I know what... I think my history with Wolfman Jack was like being a little kid and watching him in uh, American Graffiti. Then I found out, yeah, he was a huge, uh, you know, huge disc jockey. And of course, there was a total tribute to him in Fallout 3. When you hear Three Dog out on the Wasteland radio, you can definitely tell he, you know, just that howling, you know, speaking in the style of Wolfman Jack was a tribute to him. It was totally based on that character. Yeah. I mean, you played Fallout 3, right? Uh, yes. I got about a quarter of the way through and I just gave up. I'm not. Oh, a Fallout, I'm not. We talked about this last episode. I'm not a Fallout fan. Yeah, we did. I understand. I'll still shoot you though. I can't promise I won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, so before we get into Beetlejuice, just let you know that uh, we are now loading our episodes up to YouTube. Uh, asking for money felt kind of sleazy, and besides, the Indiegogo thing kind of failed because Indiegogo decided to change the rules uh, without telling me, and they did not pay me for the fundraiser. So I forced them to give the money back. Uh, we're going on YouTube. The episodes are going to start being, you know, with commercials. It'll help raise a little bit of money for the show to keep going. I can't keep hosting on Libsyn. It's cost me too much a month. YouTube has unlimited loading. You know, there's only so much I could load for my money on Libsyn. I had to keep paying and keep paying and keep paying. And I've put thousands of dollars into it so far. I know it sounds like I'm complaining. I love doing the show, but I have to face reality that it's costing me a fortune and nothing's coming in. So, 
you're going to see uh, episodes moving over exclusively to YouTube for the most part. And the website is changing. I've completely rebuilt it with better interface. And uh, you're probably going to see a little bit of Google ads there, Amazon. Just anything to keep the show going and keep the lights on, which is a cliche in podcasts. You notice everybody says that. I don't know if you listen to podcasts, yeah. Jacob, but everybody always says that. There are some commercials that keep the lights on. I don't know if like, keeping the lights on is such an issue with people like Kevin Smith because he's a millionaire. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm yes, of course. And, I mean, considering someone like him to say to keep the lights on, I'm like, I am confused whenever he does say that. Yeah, I mean, I love the guy, but when people who have a lot of clout, like Dana Gould, he's not going to be worried about work. I, I, I'm the kind of guy who's like, can I even eat this month? I, I'm having issues here. <laughs> so, uh, sorry about that segue there. Uh, and one of our sponsors, uh, I have to play a commercial for him real quick. So give me just a sec. Okay. Hey, every year you spend tons of money going to haunted houses. You're not getting your money's worth. You're not scared. So you feel like it's a big letdown. Let me tell you this. Come on down to the Haunted Shack. All you do is pay five bucks, you come in, you sit in a chair, I feed my cousin Larry a bunch of beers. He just chugs them and chugs them and chugs them. He's an out-of-work clown. He'll come in, he'll sit in a chair across from you. Then the lights go out, and that's when the fun begins. Only five bucks. Now, I'll tell you this. The real profit, of course, is when you come out that there's going to be sales of underwear, but, uh, you know, you're going to need them because you're going to crap your pants. It's real easy, real simple. So just come on down to the Haunted Shack. All right, thank you for our sponsor for the Haunted Shack. Uh, that sounds incredibly disturbing. I'm not sure I want to sit across from a drunken clown. I mean, gosh, after watching you know movies like It or Killer Clowns from Outer Space, who would? <laughs> it's terrifying me already. God, oh, get me out of here. But it's not, I mean, nothing as creepy as the sinful dwarf. The what dwarf? The Sinful Dwarf. What's yeah, this? I thought I. Uh, what is that? I thought I mentioned this to you. <laughs> no, it's a movie that came out in like the early seventies. It's about this um, dwarf who lives with his mother. He pretty much takes care of the hotel, and he's it. Just watch the trailer, Michael. That's all I can oh, tell you right nice. now. I, okay, I thought you went on a weird tangent there, just making stuff up in your own head. I see dwarfs no, in my sleep. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It's so creepy. All right, everybody, so let's start off with Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice is a little bit hard to find, but uh, at least I found the theme music, so here we go. Right. Pretend you go. Ha-ha, fill up time. Awkward silence. Okay, that should totally be our opening theme song. That totally should have been, yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's obviously now, the premise... <laughs> now, I do have to say, I mean, the premise here, of course, Beatles just being such a huge underground success, they decided to, you know, give it a little bit of touch-up with the cartoon, where you can, of course, explore the rest of the world of the dead. Yeah, which was only when it comes to the show, because there's no budgetary problems. Well, of course, and since it, you know, it was Nickelodeon and cartoons were still playing around. And they managed to introduce such you know, wonderful characters, too, rather than just you know, Adam and Barbara and, of course, Juno, the caseworker, and the dumb football jocks. Yeah, the, uh, when the movie came out, um, we actually didn't see it until the very end uh, of its run. It was after I think I heard a bunch of people at school talking about it. And this is back in the day when you would actually see in the newspapers 
when there was newspapers, really, uh, that you would look at the page in the entertainment section and it would show all the movies that were out. And it had a little tiny square of Beetlejuice and it said, Held Over Last Days. And we literally oh, went wow. the last day it was playing in theaters, like on a Thursday. And uh, I'm so grateful that I got to see this on the big screen. It's such a strange movie. And it opened, I had seen uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, but this opened up a whole new world of anything was possible. It was, it's still relatively low budget, $15 million, but the imagination that went into it made it look like it cost 50. Um, and it kind, oh, of, it kind of made me search out stuff that was a little more off kilter, a little stranger. So it was a very important movie for me. Yeah, I know. I mean, well, coming from the mind of Tim Burton, yeah, I mean, Tim Burton growing up who he is, his very first uh, live action film. Well, not live action film. His first film was like a student film. It was a claymation film called Vincent, uh, basically about a boy who wanted to be like Vincent Price. And just, you know, the unique character design and animation and, of course, background, just the whole art, artistic sense of it all was very unique and different and dark, but yet so, you know, fun and enjoying and such so enjoyable to watch yeah i believe if you get the nightmare before christmas dvd uh it comes with frankenweenie and uh vincent which are both beautiful wonderful short films and i think it's really the only place you can get them yeah yeah pretty much unless they show it on tv and you dvr it yeah that was another thing i was going to mention his first real live action film was that short film frankenweenie and then of course he you know collaborated with uh, Paul Rubens, and they ended up creating Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which was, of course, another sleeper hit, his first hit, which was a surprise. Nobody expected it to be that good. Right. Uh, Paul Rubens was discussing, when he was given the option by Warner Brothers to make a movie, he was given a giant book. I don't know how things work in Hollywood, but apparently they just hand you books of people who are available, and he was looking through, and he wasn't finding anybody that was interesting, and they stumbled upon Tim Burton. He's like, didn't he make that short film I saw at a at like a, a screening a couple years ago, I really liked it. You know, he met with them and they uh, hit it off. And they're, you know, that the first Pee Wee's Big Adventure obviously is so wonderful because of Tim Burton. The second one just doesn't have the same energy at all. No, I know. Plus, it didn't have the same. Yeah, you're right. It also didn't have like you know the kooky little Tim Burton esque feel to it. I mean, it was like way out. You know, I mean, it was. I, I thought it was still enjoyable to watch, but total different shift here yeah it's a uh, it's more of a family friendly whereas peewee's big adventure is kind of um uh, almost an underground movie with a bigger budget yeah pretty much and had a, a few little risque moments and had also d snyder from uh twisted sister oh yeah uh you know what i forgot there was a show that i suggested that we watch as part of this and, and somehow i completely forgot we were going to talk about family dog did you get to watch family dog yet Oh, crap, no, I'm sorry, no, I okay. failed. We'll save it for another time. Uh, Tim Byrne also did a episode of Amazing Stories with Brad Bird called Family Dog, and it was successful enough to have a spinoff series. I, I say successful, but it took like five years for the cartoon to get going, but it's it's really entertaining. You, you should uh, see that. We'll, we'll try to watch, uh, maybe talk about it later down the road. We'll combine it with like another dog show or something like that. Precisely. Two stupid oh, dogs. one more thing I want. <laughs> Uh, two Stupid Dogs? Yeah, maybe we should combine Family Dog and Two Stupid Dogs. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a perfect idea. Anyway, what I want to say, though, about um, this cartoon here, I mean, all, not only did, you know, of course, Lydia and the Dietz is coming back, you know, as, like, main protagonists, but it's just, it, it's kind of weird how it was set up. I mean, wait a minute, Beetlejuice was a bad guy and tried to marry her, but when she brings him back, I guess he's, uh, 
I'm guessing he's under a certain spell or a charm. Yeah, that or maybe he just mends his ways. Of course, this cartoon, they're going to soften it a bit. You know, a lot of people wonder, you know, what happened to Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis's character? Well, if you remember, their stories are pretty much finished. What they needed to accomplish was accomplished so they can move on. And they're talking about the Beetlejuice sequel. They've been talking about a Beetlejuice sequel since the first movie came out. I remember hearing news about it. And I was so excited running through the parking lot telling my mom, Oh, they're going to make a Beetlejuice too." And, of course, it still has yet to happen. They keep teasing it. They keep talking about it. And Gina Davis said she would love to appear in the sequel. There has to be a very good reason for her to show up because her story is done. Exactly. I know. I mean, they wanted the house back or they just wanted to live in peace with the Dietzes. And, of course, you know, oh, gosh. Catherine, oh god, I, I keep forgetting who plays the stepmom, oh, Delia. Catherine yeah, Catherine O'Hara. Oh god, you just want to punch her in the face. But yes, also, so it is. I mean, like I said, part two is confirmed. They just need a script, and then they're good to go. It is greenlit. Apparently as soon as they, they get that script written. Oh, I thought they had a script by was it Seth Graham Smith or something like that? The guy who did oh, dude, uh, yeah. Abraham Lincoln versus vampires or something like that. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> well, uh, so I was close. I was in the vicinity. It's not like I said Abraham yes. Lincoln mustache. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I mean, to me, that movie was just funny in itself. I'm like, Abraham Lincoln hunting vampires? You know, I never finished <laughs> it. I got about 20 minutes into it, and I said, yeah, I don't want to watch this. It's 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 funny. I just found it absurdly funny. You know, just like, you know, The Exorcist. <laughs> or, better yet, Krumpus. That's one I find extremely funny. Yeah, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for that, Krampus. Uh, so, Beetlejuice, has been, they've been trying to get a sequel going for a while, and Kevin Smith mentions many times in his podcast that uh, when he came to Hollywood and he was, he had just finished Mallrats, I believe. No, Chase right. and Amy. He had just finished Chase and Amy, I think. And he was at the Warner Bros. studio and they were offering him all these scripts. You know, do you want to film this? Do you want to adapt this? And they offered him Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian and he was like, uh, no, that's a terrible <laughs> idea. That's a terrible idea. Plus, the first movie kind of said it all. You don't really need to do a sequel. I, I myself didn't want to tell a story. And uh, that's when they offered him Superman. And then, of course, there's the horrors that came with that. Oh, gosh, yeah. The untold, the unfinished Superman movie with Tim Burton. Yeah. Oh, my God. Nicolas Cage. Like he, Nicolas Cage was going to have the full-on long hair. I kid you not. It's not. It was. It's so nuts. He was gonna have the '90s, you know, mullet look. So. Uh, oh God. What 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 would uh, he sound like playing Superman? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a line. Well, statistically speaking, air travel is still the safest. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even get through it. That's terrible. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, Nicholas Cage cannot be Superman. Sorry, Nicholas Cage. You have to go back in your corner now. But you just let me out. Shut up, Nicolas Cage. Get back in that corner now. You turn around. Right, wear that stupid hat. This Old is bastard. a uh, Canadian production, which uh, you'll notice a lot during the 90s, a lot of Canadian animation started popping up. Nelvana being the big dog out of that, uh, that country. Great stuff coming from that company. They struggled for a while trying to find a hit. I, uh, you know what? I think I have the wrong company. I'm trying to remember who did Rock and Rule. And... Um, we still haven't you have you haven't seen that yet, have you? Rock and Roll. I was telling you about it before, but it you, it's something you have to see. It's so strange and so unique, but it almost bankrupted their company. Yeah, I have I have absolutely no knowledge of that. I'm sorry, Michael. Oh, it's okay. Uh, Nirvana was offered the chance to work on heavy metal, but then they decided Nirvana. No, no, Nelvana. Nell. Oh. Uh, oh. They were offered the chance to work on heavy metal, which was a Canadian production. Uh, Ivan Reitman did it. 
and uh, they decided oh. they decided to go in their own direction by doing rock and roll, and it was a huge, just massive flop, and it nearly destroyed the company. But they came back by doing really strong animation, and uh, Beetlejuice being one of the more successful ones. Yeah, it is. I mean, well, just by looking at the animation, it is fantastic. It's so unique, but it does have a familiar touch to it. A familiar touch to it. Sorry. Did you just go into a really deep voice, or were you like, yeah? Burping. I was about to hiccup, that's oh. all. Oh my god. Like out of nowhere, I just start doing my Ron Burgundy impression. The better it's, uh, uh, what is it, Brokaw? Oh, Tom Brokaw. Tom Brokaw always sounds like he's holding back a little bit of vomit on ABC. Tom Brokaw. Who the f is that? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know who Tom Brokaw is? No, I don't know who Tom Brokaw is. Seriously? <laughs> You're gonna want to look that one up. He was a very important reporter. I think he's still. I don't think he's retired yet. But he always talks like this. Oh, so it sounded a bit. It sounded a little bit like. Oh, who the hell else sounds like that? <laughs> like Dan Rather with no teeth. Dan Rather. I don't know. I don't know how you were doing it. I don't know why you thought they had no teeth. Uh, I'm tired of talking like this. It's like the it's uh when you try to do uh, Fire Marshal Bill, and you pull your guns back really fast, and you pull your teeth out, but then you know, you're totally out of shock, it's like, and you're hey. on the level of Jimmy Stewart, Jerry Stewart. Oh no, Jimmy Stewart, what am I going to do about this? That oh no. the worst Jimmy Stewart ever. <laughs> that was like the cartoon version. Hi everybody, I'm Jimmy Stewart. Well, yeah, no, that was the intent, okay? We're watching cartoons here. Aren't we on the subject of cartoons? That's what I'm trying to do. You dick! Sorry, I didn't yell. God, I'm sorry. No, I didn't mean to yell. It's just that Nicolas Cage wet the corner. and Well, I just, I, was, I, I, just had to, I just had to lock him in the cage. I had to lock him up in his cage outside in the freezing cold. Now, while the animation is done by Nelvana, it was actually produced by Geffen Film Company, which they did not really go into animation very much. In fact, uh, their film division was shut down because they joined... Uh, DreamWorks in 94 and this oddly enough I think the show ended in 94 but Warner Brothers distributed it for them the WB did not exist yet so they sold the show to ABC third season ABC decides you know what? We, we, we don't need this show anymore so they sell the last season to Fox and I always thought the show was really high quality I think I watched it all the way to the end wow it says it was now this doesn't make any sense to me I never really understand some cartoons it says it was on for four seasons it started December 1989, ended December 6, 1991. That sounds like three seasons to me. Hmm. Or maybe two and a half. Well, then again, these episodes, these Beetlejuice episodes were two-parters. They were only like, what, 12 minutes long? True. Also, I do want to say, I want to go back. My impression, I think, was more like of a crazy Don, like a cartoonish Don Knotts, rather more than a Jimmy Stewart. I've been looking at you through the bedroom window. Is this Don Knotts? <laughs> I stole that from Danny Gould. If anybody knows, uh, Danny Gould is a genius, and I stole that bit from him. <laughs> oh, Michael, you slay me. At yeah, hold on. Oh, I wonder how many... Like, I, I honestly wonder, in the comedy world, how many people just steal bits and never admit to it. Oh, I know, like, uh, I don't know, Carlos Mencia. Yeah. Stealing that Bing joke. There is or, uh, Yeah, he's stealing know... a comedy joke. Yeah. Well, I know for I know for sure that um, I think Paul Mooney might have asked Robin Williams for it, but it was this uh, when he was uh, doing his God like uh, this like Godfather special I think back in like 2011. Uh, he said this one joke uh, that uh, Robin Williams said, 
that um that said that uh, he told that he attributed to Walter Cronkite about a man and a woman having sex, you know, and their son watches them, and then the kid goes back and starts uh giving it hot and heavy to grandma, and then at oh, the end of it, dude. you know, no. it's like Robin Williams says, I don't know, I don't, I don't know Robin Williams, no, this is what Robin Williams said. He said, "Not so funny when it's your mother now, is it?" Oh, that. That's what Paul Mooney did. Paul Mooney used that same joke in that stand-up special. Yeah. <laughs> huh. I know. Like I said, it, and he did it in the style of Walter Cronkite. And it was, Walter, he said it was a tribute to him. And Robert Williams said it was a tribute to him. All right, so it was from his uh, Weapons of Self-Destruction to, uh, special. Oh, okay. The, uh, yeah. the voice actor on Beatles, actually, uh, most of these voice actors are Canadian, and I don't really recognize their names or their voices. Uh, Stephen O, I'm gonna say it wrong. O Met, uh, he is. He did a lot of cartoons, but nothing like really that stands out. Like, oh, obviously I know what that is. Uh, he did the Alf TV show or the Alf cartoon, Police Academy, Beetlejuice, Babar. Um, he did Angel on Babar. the X What's that? Babar. 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 Bar. Babar. Hey, hey, you know how we were looking for monster cartoons to discuss? I just found one, Monster Force. I wonder what that was. I think I'm gonna have to look that up. I think it might be the one I mentioned a long time ago about one of the team members turning into a werewolf. There is. It's oh, it's. I think it's from Universal Studios. It is. It's the classic monsters: Dracula, Mummy, uh, werewolf, all of them. And uh, it's oh, it's written by Marv Wolfman, who did uh, Werewolf by Night and I think Moon Knight. So like that, he's a really great comic book uh, writer. Oh well, we'll have to look into it. But yeah, no, I mean, as far as the, I mean, he really does capture the character of Beetlejuice. But as far as this, I know, speaking of Beetlejuice, I mean, Michael Keaton, he is definitely coming back for Beetlejuice too. That is confirmed. Well, that's the great thing about the characters that it was covered in makeup, so therefore his age, it's like the Kiss rule. Kiss was smart enough to know that, hey, eventually we're going to age out of this. We keep the Let's makeup. keep wearing the makeup. Yeah, so in the 90s, they put the makeup back on, so they still look like uh, young guys. And uh, it was genius. And then and then when they die, or they, uh, I may actually say retire, uh... Well, the way Peter Chris is going might die, actually die. Uh, the way they, you know, go out, they can just pass the pass the performance on to somebody else. They've already done that with Peter and Ace. So when um, Paul and Gene leave, they could just hire somebody else and keep the legacy of the band going. They could sit at home and enjoy their retirement and still make tons of cash. And yeah, no, and of course Paul Stanley, he still does it. He still stays in good shape. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. I mean, except for his face. I mean, you can tell his face is aged, but. How has there not been a Kiss cartoon? Not even like a, a one season, like a, a short season, like six episodes. Or, or, or maybe an animated movie. Oh, wait, there, there was an animated movie, wasn't there? With Scooby-Doo? Uh, I think so. Yeah, they did. They actually did. Yeah. They appeared with Scooby-Doo. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> seen that one, but I kind of thought they would have had a series. You know when they were red hot? Like 15 years ago, they were red hot. They had a comic book line from Todd McFarlane. They had toys. Merch was everywhere. And uh, you think they would have come up with an animated series? Nope. Nothing. Yeah. Of course, yeah, that'd be no surprise. I mean, Tom McFarlane, great, great comic book artist and writer, personally, I think. I mean, he made Spider-Man. I would say he's, really. a, better, he's a better artist than he is a writer. Yeah. And also, as far as, like, I mean, there was Kiss Save Santa and Family Guy. There's that animated movie. <laughs> is that real? <laughs> uh, no, but if it was, I'd probably watch it. I most definitely would watch it. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, silly me. But yeah, no, I, I honestly, I would watch this like every chance that it was on. I mean, I was such a huge Beetlejuice fan. We even had the action figures of Beetlejuice. I didn't know Like we had thing. Adam that would turn oh. into the uh, monster. We had Beetlejuice with a big, you know, with a big old carousel on his head. 
even had the one in the red uh, tuxedo when he, where his head would shrink. I somehow missed this yeah, in the stores. Yeah, you did. There was a ton of them. My grandparents would get them for us. Of course, our grandparents always spoiled us. But yeah, no, they bring in like a variety of these characters too, like that big old buffalo hairy guy and the little tap dancing spider girl and, you know, the French uh, skeleton who works out. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It, it does bring in like a wide variety of like the possibilities of, you know, being in the world of the dead. Mm. Instead of just like that whole morbid, you know, very beautifully, colorfully, colorfully schemed, you know, office space. But still. It really got to expand in this game, in this uh, cartoon. I'm hoping another one comes back after you know Beetlejuice Two happens. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to. We get teased with certain movies all the time, like uh, Goonies Two. You think it's going to happen? They keep talking about it, and you just you get exhausted, you get tired. But then again, they finally did make a Lost Boys Two. Oh yeah, and three, and they went straight to DVD. But however, I think it's because you know major. Most of the time, the studios put these movies on hold. They want to focus on other things, things that they know will make them money big time, especially, like, all the big summer movies. And I think, like, once those are done, then they'll give them a shot. I mean, look what happened with Disney. Of course, Disney's going back and, you know, re, you know taking all their animated classics and turning them into live-action films. Like, first there was, you know, Maleficent, which is pretty much the same thing as, you know, Sleeping Beauty. Then there was Cinderella, which is, of course, directed by Kenneth Branagh. I'll give that a chance. And, you know... Richard Madden, a.k.a. Rob Stark from Game of Thrones, plays Prince Charming. So, you know, I'll watch it. I'll rent it. And then now there's going to be Jungle Book. And now there's going to be Beauty and the Beast. I'm pretty sure. And then Saturday Night Live did that parody of it, of uh, Bambi. A live-action Bambi was starring The Rock. <laughs> uh. And plus, you know, then focusing on all those movies and, of course, the Marvel franchise and the Star Wars franchise, they cut off Tron 3. Stuff like that will happen. Ugh. Yeah, it gets a little tiresome. Um, I don't know if people know this, but I don't watch the cartoons anymore because I'm too busy editing and grabbing stuff to listen to. Uh, Jacob, are we done with the first episode of Beetlejuice? Um, we're about halfway done. Really? Let's see. How much? How many more minutes? Good yeah, because it's a two. They're two part episodes. I, th I think. Well, like I said, they're. I yeah, they're two part episodes, and they're like about, like twelve minutes long each. Almost done. Almost. You know what? I think, almost, I think we, we can just wrap there. it up. We're I almost think we're there. Done with is getting there, big guy. Um, well, I hope. Well, like I said, I hope something like this does come back after the second movie. But then again, you know, there's really, there's really not too many cartoons out these days. I mean, they're just, it's all just Degrassi type S to the B. Ooh, no, there's still tons of cartoons. They're just all on cable now. Network television doesn't air cartoons in the morning anymore. Uh, you know, it's just there's too much on streaming. There's too much on cable. For it, it, it seemed logical for them to do it. it. It's a shame because there was nothing I adored more when I was a kid than getting up at the crack of dawn and to watch cartoons for six hours straight until my brain turned into ooze and then it poured out of my ear and then I was ready for the day. Exactly. That's what it was like for me too as a kid. However, Nickelodeon had, does have a complete, I think, a, a complete channel dedicated to 90s cartoons. Nice. And the 90s. So that is that. So you know, there's hope there. <laughs> All right. So All right. we are going to take a break. Uh, we are done with Beetlejuice, and we'll come back with the Adams family. All right, everybody. It's time for our entertainment news. Jacob, what do you have? 
Uh, let's see. You you were the one who actually brought this to my attention, which was the Terminator franchise being adjusted, not being on hold, but adjusted. Yes, I'm a Nimrod. I shared the news on our page, Retro Rock Entertainment. I did not bother to read it because I have the IQ of a pumpkin. I never like pumpkins have IQ. Is that true? <laughs> um, yes. I never lie. Uh. That was my nose growing. You still there? Yes, I'm here. I'm living, and I can't believe I heard your bullshit. <laughs> you son of a bitch. All right. So uh, just think about that. Like, as far as an adjustment goes, what do you think they do? Are they going to try and tie it in with Robocop, hopefully, <laughs> or get rid of uh, Arnold? Oh, they're going to uh, get rid of Arnold because he's too expensive. You're going to continue the franchise. The last one, I believe, cost um, $120 or $130 million. They cannot, uh, continue. they cannot continue this way. They have to ditch Arnold. Everybody's sick of Arnold anyway. And... Uh, they're going to have to cut the budget. They're going to have to shoot in, like, Canada or even more, Bulgaria. They're going to have to come up with something like the original. The original <laughs> is still the best, in my opinion, and it only costs $6 million. What, in that money today, that's, like, what, like $20 million, $25 million? You can make a very fast, efficient, uh, scary. Make it scary again. That's what the franchise needs. It doesn't need uh, everybody thinks you need to replicate the second movie. You need to go back and replicate the first movie in its style. Exactly. Yeah, no, because there was a terrifying sense to it. It's like you've got this big, hulking, giant robot killing thing coming after you, and you can't really do much about it. Not with that kind of weaponry. Yeah, you only Jeez. have a couple years left to get this movie going before the rights go back to James Cameron. Do you think James Cameron's going to make anything with it? No, he's going to make Avatar 5, 6, 7, 8. I mean, we're not even sure we want Avatar 2. It's been so long, and yet he's now right. promising us 3. Hey, buddy, do part 2, wait it out, see what happens. I'm not even sure. I mean, I'm not even sure about what could work in part two. I was like, what's the deal? I mean, story-wise, setup, you know, plot wasn't original at all. All it really did have great, you know, original visuals. That I will give it. Everybody says but, they ripped off Fern Gully. I've never seen Fern Gully. <laughs> oh my god! No, 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 no. That is so stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, there are some, maybe one or two similarities. But that's it. <laughs> so, that's such a fucking dumb comparison. <laughs> I never seen it. So I have no idea. You you could literally tell me that. Uh, oh yeah, Avatar that ripped off Sophie's Choice. It did. I I would be like, oh, <laughs> sure. I've never seen. I've never seen Sophie's Choice. Okay, sure. <laughs> Just bring up <laughs> Sophie's Choice. Get the fuck out of here. Come on. Don't it's get me wrong. Exactly I, I, like I, Gone with the Wind. I'm gonna take your word for it. I've never seen it. Fuck Gone with the Wind. Actually, I, I've seen Gone with the Wind. <laughs> I've seen it, and it's depressing. It's got one of the worst worst endings ever. I was like, that I want to go slip the wrist now. It's quite overrated, I'll tell you that much right now. Uh, all right, so what else do we have in the movie news? Justice League Dark is a go. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Guillermo del Toro is still attached. Have you heard anything? He's free now, now that Pacific Rim 2 has been pushed back. Yeah, I know. That's true. I mean, I kind of hope he does. I, 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 knowing him and what he's done with Hellboy and Pan's Labyrinth, He's a great visual director. He know he knows what the he knows which look to go with, what he wants, what would fans want. I mean, look what he did. I mean, Hellboy. Come on, Ron Perlman was perfect as Hellboy. There, I'm sure Ron Perlman's still pushing for a Hellboy three. I want to know what happens. The problem is would... Guillermo del Toro is this decade's John Woo. Ten years ago, John Woo was attaching himself to ten projects all at once. Kept teasing us. Oh, we'll be Spy Hunter. Oh, we'll be Masters of the Universe. Oh, what will it be? Here, stop it. And then none of them happened. 
That I, you always recognize. I feel like there's some directors out there that go, you know what? I get a lot for development deals, and then I can just take the paycheck. It, they give me like five hundred thousand dollars. I don't have to do anything. I can walk away. Just walk away. Yeah. Walk away. Come on. Like, and it's going to be eating out, uh, you know, at the back of his mind, it's going to be eating him away. And he's like, I could have, should have done that movie. I should have yeah. done. I should have. I should have cared. <gasps> so, yeah, no, I would love to see the dark Justice League, uh, the supernatural side of Justice League. Yeah, I would love I to want, see Dead Man. I want to see yeah, Etrigan. Oh, uh, what is it? Dead Man, Ragman, uh, Constantine. Uh, I Spectre. Think Blue Devil was part of it. Yeah, Spectre. A yeah. lot of really great. There was a series. Um, Dr. Fate could be part of it, too. You'd think what, about it. What was it called? It was around 2009. There was a, like a 12 issue series where it was all those characters. It was absolutely fascinating and nobody bought it. So it got canceled. But all 12 of those issues were just the best thing I think I've ever read. I can't even remember the title right now. It's driving me up the wall. Uh, I can't remember either. I, you, uh, oh, I was out of. Yeah, wow. You, you keep talking while I look. You distract him while I, while I grab some evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Yes, I know. I mean, it's kind of like with. Um, Kind of, I'm kind of hoping Marvel does the same thing eventually. I mean, especially with the, I, they're really not doing anything. They haven't really done anything with Blade lately. There's so much to do there. There's also so much to do with Ghost Rider. That definitely needs a reboot. Yeah, well, they need no, to, Nicolas uh, Cage. No, Marvel Nicolas Knights. Cage. You're not going back. Yeah, Marvel Knights should be a good thing. What did you say? I said no, Nicolas Cage. You're not coming back. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the series <laughs> I was talking about was called Shadow Pack, and it's from 2009. And it lasted a little longer than that. My memory's starting to go. I drink a lot. I drink a lot. And uh, it's uh, 25 issues, two-year run. It had uh, Blue Devil, Ragman, uh, I want to say some uh, Shiny Knight, I think. Detective Chimp. It had Detective Chimp. It had a monkey to talk. Yeah, yes, there was Detective Chimp. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. and Etrigan, and of course... You already mentioned Deadman. Who else? Dang it. Uh, I, it was Nightshade, uh, Nightmaster, uh, but other guys would pop in. You know, Shazam was part of it. Not not uh, um, Captain Marvel, I'd Shazam. Say, I'd uh, say Spectre. Oh, Phantom Stranger, right. you know. Uh, there's a lot of characters yeah. in the DC Universe isn't bothering. They keep regurgitating the same heroes. There's so many cool guys that could get out there. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm really super jizzed and jazzed for Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. But yeah, I would love to see more characters. I mean, we still haven't seen Aquaman. I'm glad they're bringing that in. There is a character that I'm very fond of that I would love to see in a TV series. He's never going to be in a movie unless he's going to be a supporting role, is the question. He was always very entertaining, yeah. and he was always part of Batman's world. So maybe Ben Affleck, since he is a comic book fan, will see something in the question that he can bring into his series. Exactly. I mean, I'm pretty sure his time with Kevin Smith made him into a comic book fan. That's for damn sure. I think he was a fan beforehand, but yeah, definitely those two together, uh, it really connected. Oh, definitely. Dude, and plus, a character like The Question, there's so much mystery to him. He, To me, I thought he was like No-Face from Dick Tracy. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually who uh, Rorschach was based, kind of based off of right. a little bit in uh, Watchmen. Yeah, originally DC had bought those characters from Charlton, and Alan Moore was given the opportunity to reboot them in this world. And at the last minute, they got cold feet. Said, "You know what? Let's uh, we're going to take these into our own DC universe. If you can come up with characters that are similar, so the Blue Beetle came, uh, the Owl, uh, Rorschach, or uh, the Question became Rorschach, and on and on." Right. Yeah, I mean that's right. Uh, I, yeah, kind of bringing those comic book characters into the real world in the setup of Watchmen, it would still. I don't know, I mean, considering, like, where they were at the time, especially, like, in the, like, mid-80s or whenever whenever this project was in development yes. of Watchmen. You know, yeah, Watchmen, that wouldn't Watchmen work, being, so I'm uh, glad that went with... 
you know they're talking. HBO's talking to Zack Snyder about making Watchmen a TV show. A miniseries? Okay, yeah, that's where it would work perfectly. If if you think about it, you know, you can include everything that was in the book. Yeah, well, I think they're going to go beyond just the original book. I think they're going to go maybe three series, and uh, there's before Watchmen, which was a series that DC did recently, and then. They'll do the original Watchmen, and then they'll probably have a miniseries about what happens afterwards. I don't know. There's not a lot of people left, so I'm not sure if they will. Oh, I know. I know. There wouldn't be too much. Plus, uh, just don't cast Malin Ackerman. She was her. I'd rather stare at a wooden plank than watch her perform Silk Spectre again. I actually kind of liked her. I'm sorry. I mean, she, she was just pretty. She, uh, she I, I honestly, she was not meant for that dramatic role. She's in too many romantic comedies, and in this one, she was just, Again, very hollow. I mean, a lot of the characters and actors in Watchmen were hollow. I mean, with the exception of Dr. Manhattan, because that's how he's supposed to be. Right. But the ones who really spoke out to me were definitely Ozymandias and Comedian. Comedian was definitely, you know, I thought on point. Yeah, Rorschach's probably my favorite, but I, I felt for the owl. I like Patrick Wilson's performance of it, but even in the comics, he was kind of a character that I connected to. Give. But it's also because I'm a huge Blue Beetle fan, and once you kind of make that mental connection, it makes you like the character a little more. Yeah, no, I do. Yeah, thinking about it, dude, yeah, thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. Now I do appreciate him. I'm glad I bought this action figure of him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, okay, this is like off topic. It's not exactly nerd news, but it's. A, I think for me, uh, I wanted to bring this up. It's a big thing in California. It's that cheerleading is now a competitive sport. Yeah, I don't even know why this was up for debate. Uh, I, if anybody has seen a cheerleader, you realize it's, it's physically grueling. I, I've, I've known people who are cheerleaders, and they just destroy their knees. Uh, mess up their backs. They're flipping around like crazy. It's very organized too. Um, I have a friend who actually trains uh, kids now in cheerleader camp, and the work that he does is just amazing. It is, yeah, I know. I mean, I even watched this episode of uh, Penn and Teller's bullshit, and they pretty much go into a lot of detail of why it should be uh, com- considered a sport and it should get some, you know, medical coverage. I mean, considering one girl, I think after one incident, she ended up be- becoming paralyzed. That, wait, some even die. I did, I, sometimes the wheels turn slowly in my brain. Are you telling me that the cheerleaders who are professional that are at the football games, I know they get paid garbage. They get paid like $39 a game or something ridiculous. They also don't get any benefits? Mm, I'm not sure about that exact detail, but I just remember knowing from a Penn and Teller bullshit, as far as like the younger competitions, the, you know, being like in high school and where it all actually starts. Oh, okay. Stuff like that, yeah. That, that's nonsense. Any sport that brings what? people in. Uh, why is it that schools are not properly funded uh, when it comes to this? It, it, it's a competition. It brings interest to the school. It gets some awards. It gets some money from the state. So why are they not covering their athletes? I don't know. But, I mean, as far as it, like, not covering cheerleaders in the NFL, I mean, come on. Look what the NFL has been doing lately. I mean, coming, uh, not being tax-exempt, come on. being tax Or being tax-exempt and calling themselves not-profit. For that bullshit come on yeah you you rake in billions each year get the fuck out of here with that shit you're getting taxed <laughs> yeah so yeah no that is a huge thing and like i said just watch that episode of penn and teller's bullshit that pretty much just sums it up as to why it should be all right what do we got next okay what do we have next oh f gary gray yes I, I, he's a well-liked uh, you know director i loved what he did with friday and comedies and of course set it off queen latifah and uh jada pinkett smith he is directing Fast and Furious 8. I, I feel like he's chosen for two reasons. A, he has a deal with Universal Studios because of Compton. Um, uh, what, what's the movie called again? Straight out of Compton, Straight yeah. Out of Com- I almost said America's Most Compton. <laughs> That's nonsense. 
Uh, the, I could punch you in the face for that. I know, right? Just right across the screen. Uh, you son of a bitch! Uh, he also has a relationship with Vin Diesel because they did A Man Apart uh, about 15 years ago. A movie that, that, yeah. that basically bombed, but it's actually a pretty solid watch. That, of course. It is, definitely. And he also directed Law Abiding Citizen with Jamie Foxx and Gerard Butler. Also, I want to say... <laughs> But I want to say, like, F. Gary Gray, he definitely would connect it to the kind of audience that, you know, Fast and Furious would go for. Well, a lot of people love this Italian job. He can handle a car sequence. That's right. Yes, exactly. Oh, God, I love those car sequences. And it had Mark, Marky Wahlberg. All right. <laughs> you sound like when someone tries to talk, but they have too much liquid in their mouth. <laughs> Sorry, yes, I know. I was eating soup, okay? <laughs> Gee. Mark Wahlberg, yes, of course. He was in that. Yeah, he was in the Italian Job. It was a great movie. Anyway, so yeah, I think he's perfect to, for uh, Fast and Furious Eight. I'm pretty sure. I'm hoping he topped was in the seventh one. I mean, the seventh one had so much. Yeah, it I actually was, feel that the seventh seventh one was a little bit of a letdown. But you have to give it consideration for the fact that they had to go around so many angles to get the movie to work. They probably had to rewrite that thing over and over in order to get it to fit. So I can't blame them. I just felt like a couple sequences just didn't get exciting enough. And, of course, you know, it being Paul Walker's last film. Yeah. What, what do you think is the best of the franchise? I, th I still think uh, 5 is the best. 6 is pretty amazing, but 5 is the best written one. Yeah, definitely. I d it definitely had better dialogue. Honestly, I hope 8 has better dialogue. I mean, I'm hearing some of the lines in, you know, 7, and I'm just like, oh, God, just shut the yeah, fuck up. Yeah, there's a couple cringeworthy ones. But, you know, I hope and bring in Kurt Russell as a major character. I would love to see, I'd love to see them move away from the car racing. Away from the the independent high stuff, I would like them to be part of the government unit that Kurt Russell is. Like, they go on special missions to help people. Hell yeah. And honestly, hopefully, there comes a, there comes a scene where Kurt Russell, you know, gets an eye injury and has to wear an eye patch. <laughs> oh, oh, God, I would give anything for that. Just Even if it's for a moment, he goes, ah, I'm just messing with you. I'd be like, thank you so much. Point. Oh. And his voice becomes a little hoarse because he's got a cold or something. Or, you know, yeah. again, injury-related. Uh, Kurt Russell has a movie coming out here in a couple weeks called Bone Tomahawk, which has been delayed over and over, and it's finally done. It's finally finished. The trailer is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life, but I have faith. <laughs> it is. The trailer is awful, but it has Matthew Fox, Patrick Wilson, and uh, Richard Jenkins. Ooh. And it's basically about uh, a woman who's kidnapped, and they go hunting after the people who took her, and it turns out they're cannibals. So it's a horror western, and I'm very excited. It's just that trail looks so bad. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, I can't wait to see him in Hateful Eight by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely going bad shit for. Okay, but yeah, no, I, I'm sure F. Gary Gray will really hold up this, you know, franchise. You know, he'll. I'm. I hope he'll just make it even more awesome. I want him to see. I want him to top everything. Right. What do you got in video game news? Okay, this is the only thing I'm going to mention. The uh, battle, the Star Wars Battlefront beta was released on multiple consoles and PC. And I kid you not, I had hands-on experience. I, of course, played it for hours. Most of my day went away because of it. <laughs> I know we were supposed to do this oh show my... like hours ago when you're like, hey, hold on, I got to do this. Yeah, just shut, shut the fuck up, Michael. Just shut the fuck <laughs> up. Just shut the fuck up. Let me play. <laughs> yeah, no, I kid you not. It is... Oh my God! The so far, EA and Dice have done a great job so far. Just from with this beta, you're very limited but with what you do have, like Walker Assault, and of course, the other mode I can't fucking remember because I didn't really give a shit about it. Where you collect pods and you have to get more pods than the other team and defend them. I think it's funny. The yeah. Anyway, the difference between you and me when it comes to video games is um, 
you usually get games pretty quickly, you know, when they, they come out. And I'm always like, uh, part five's out yet? Okay, do you have part two available for, I don't know, five bucks maybe? And you're like, yeah. So I'm still playing Borderlands 2. Does that tell you anything? Yeah, you're a little behind. I mean, then there's <laughs> a, just a. I think there's only like what three games, and there's a pre-sequel. It's it's fine. But in general, though, I'm always a few years behind because I usually buy used games or I buy the digital version during Black Friday. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, I will buy like a handful of games or maybe more. And uh, uh, frankly, right now my Xbox is hidden away because I have no internet here. So that's why the show is a little bit different now because. Uh, frankly, I lose Jacob half the time because the internet on my phone is insanely bad. I need to move out of the sticks. Uh, this is this is this is backwards country. We must escape. Okay. And it's well, but be thankful it's not swamp country because you know I wouldn't want you know you to be eaten by an alligator. Right. Yeah. Anywho, so uh, as I'm going into it, yes. Yeah. Quickly, so. Oh wait, go ahead. Ask ask the question. Uh, no, I was just going to drop cartoon news. I'm sorry. I think we were done with video game news. Go ahead. I do want to say, okay, so Imperial Assault, it's basically like 20 versus 20, you know, 40 uh, players total. And I kid you not, just the environments, the the mapping, the graphics, oh my god, so fucking beautiful. You feel like you're actually in that segment of the Star Wars movie. You actually feel like you're participating in the Hoth battle. And of course, like, other, you know, there's pickups, there's all sorts of different pickups. One have, like, special equipment, like mega bombs or rocket launchers, and then there's also the ones for, you know, being a hero... And you guys get to play as Darth Vader or Luke, depending on which side you're playing for, you know, Empire or Rebels. If you're Rebels on Hoth in the beta, your chances of winning are very slim. You're kind of fucked. <laughs> just giving you a heads up. Yeah. You, you, you pretty much just have to just see how long you have to last, honestly. <laughs> but like I said, the graphics, just the gameplay, it's very smooth. If you know Battlefield or any first-person player, first person shooter, you, get, you pretty much get the hang of it already. And so far, it's just extremely fun. I love looking at it. I'll be on it for hours. I've never had that much fun with a first-person shooter since Destiny and Goldeneye. All right, so in cartoon news, just real quickly, uh, Bob's Burgers has been renewed already for se uh, Season 7 and 8, which is strange because Season 6 just premiered, and they already, I think it's going to replace The Simpsons. I think that uh, The Simpsons is on its last legs, creatively, of course. But, you know, the right. whole deal, the problem with firing Harry Shearer, I feel like... That this is the point where Fox is like, you know what? It's just easier for us to end this. It's 26 seasons. We've got a lot out of this. Bob's Burgers is much funnier, more creative. This is what people are really talking about right now. Let's make sure that we lock these guys in for at least a couple more years. I believe this is going to replace it. Family Guy, Simpsons are going to go away. And uh, Fox is going to change their Sundays. Right. Well, as far as it goes for Family Guy, they're not even really trying. Seth MacFarlane... He even stated himself, they're not trying to stay on the air. They're really, he's not really bringing out his creative, creativity like he should. People love the show enough that they'll, you know, laugh and still watch it. And, but if, if Simpsons does go, then that's when I think uh, Seth MacFarlane will, you know, get creative again. Maybe. Maybe he'll come up with something new. Maybe, you know, I, maybe since Ted 2 didn't do very well, I think it'd be interesting to do a Ted cartoon. <laughs> I would love to see that, honestly. But I will say this, as far as it goes, like, money-wise, it didn't do good? Not really. It made about half of the first movie. Well, I mean, I'm still sure it made its budget. Honestly, I don't see any justification as to why critically it could go wrong. It was, I thought it was, it was, you know, they really topped some of the jokes from the previous movie. It was hilarious. Uh, I, I would definitely would have seen it again if I had the time and the money. 
right. <laughs> that is it for me with the cartoon news. And uh, just to let you know, the news is brought to you by our sponsor. And here is a commercial for them. Hey, kids, check this slab of awesomeness out. It's new insectinoids, toy line that will kick the ass of all your toys combined. In the distant future on the planet Bugnot, there's an evil corporation run by the Wingdecons. They rule the skies. Meet their evil leader, Blood Wasp, who will plant his stinger ever so deeply inside you, tell you he loves you, and not call the next day. What a jerk! His evil henchman, Titsy Fly, won't do anything, actually. He just likes saying the word Titsy. His wicked intern, the lightning bug, will shock you with blast rays and a serious lack of common sense. The beautiful ladybug is an incredible sharpshooter and will likely roll her eyes and quietly judge you. There's, there to protect the innocent are the crotosaurs that have nothing to do with dinosaurs. We just thought it sounded cool. In charge is the mighty ant who likes to duck any real responsibility and collect a huge paycheck because his daddy got him the job. The centipede is a woman... That does the actual work, gets none of the credit, is really annoyed with the stale joke names. We'll never sell a single one of her figures. Metal Bug, aka Potato Bug, aka Pill Bug, aka Water Bug, is too busy trying to figure out who he really is to help. And finally, Cyber Spider is fucking insane and really gross. Nobody likes him, but he really kicks a lot of ass, honestly. It's impressive. Without him, they would be doomed. So go get all 624 insectoid figures now! Multivariance, whisper that, oh crap. Uh, exclusively available at all one Dan's Booger Farm locations. A Bud Fuggler toy! Alright, thank you for our sponsor. Uh, that was the most insane thing ever. Here's the Adams Family. That was the Adams Family. Jacob, did you get to watch any of these? They're also another show that's really hard to find. Uh, yes, I did. Actually, I've watched like one or two episodes. I couldn't remember what the titles were, but I mean, uh, they were on a Nickelodeon all the time when I was a little kid. I even had action, the action figures as well. You know, my mom kind of, you know, again bought those because you know we wanted them so much. She pretty much get it. She pretty much, you know, we pretty much got the toys. They know, they know we love, of course. But you know, anywho. All right, so the Adams so, family is uh, there's actually two animated series, and they also showed up on the Scooby Doo was it like mystery movie, uh, which is never really a movie because it was like you know just a longer episode. It was nowhere nearly movie yes, length, so I don't you, know why they did that. Yeah, no, yeah, they did. They would have uh, specials on Scooby Doo. He would always have a you know different get different special guests from you know all sorts of cartoons, all sorts of on all sorts of uh, celebrities of the day too. Like sometimes they'd have Don Knotts, sometimes they partner up with the Harlem Glo Globetrotters, <laughs> that was one of my favorites. and the Adams family. Yeah, they did. They had an animated movie, um, an animated movie uh, with the Adams family. And I think one of the happened. mysteries was looking yeah. for Wednesday. Yeah, so uh, I think that happened right before the actual. They're on Scooby Doo. It was popular enough that they got their own show. Same company, Hanna Barbera. Of course, they had the live action show for a few years, but it was the cartoon show. I think a lot of people forgot that it existed. Even the '90s version, I think people forgot. The 70s Hanna-Barbera only lasted 16 episodes, and that is uh, honestly really hard to find. So we're talking more about the 90s series, correct? Yeah, that's the one I grew up watching. Yeah. So uh, I yeah. believe that the Addams Family, the movie, got um, 
the green light because of Beetlejuice. Is that is that weird? Do you th- is that wrong? Do you think? I don't think that I don't think that would be entirely too wrong. I mean, especially like I mean, considering people had you know a real touch for dark humor, especially after Beetlejuice, and then bringing something like and then of course. It being directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, it only it, it was only just a perfect match. Yeah, Taking I the Adams love... family and bringing all this like really weird like humor to this dark, morbid setting. Yeah, I love <laughs> his direction, the style of that movie. Um, I cannot remember who the production designer is. I think it's the guy who did the Cat in the Hat movie, but the Bo eye... Welch. What's that? Bo Welch. Yeah, That's who Bo did Welch. it. He's worked with Tim Burton on pretty much all of Tim Burton's movies. Yeah, and uh, Barry Sonnenfeld just has a really unique eye. I mean, it, it, yes, it has a bit of a Tim Burton flavor, but it goes in a whole different direction. I know. You can tell it's definitely a Barry Sonnenfeld film with that humor. Uh, <laughs> or just like even that meeting with Dr. Pindishlaw about, you know, Gomez thinking that Fester's a fake. Yeah. And then she's like, it all has to go back to the mother. Did you, it's like, but I didn't hate my mother. It was an accident. Just <laughs> like little jokes like that. I'm like, fucking A. The first movie um, I went and saw in the theaters, and it was a, a massive sensation. Uh, so they greenlit the second movie, but in the meantime, they decided to give them this animated series to try to keep you know the interest going till you know the second movie came out. I was always stunned that the second movie bombed. And I think what? it is the second movie was a flop. It was, uh, I think, as good as the first one, if not better. Me too. I can't believe it was a fucking flop. I mean, I was a kid. I couldn't have known that back then. But yeah, holiday, a flop? holiday season, nineteen ninety three. Three movies came out that were sequels very quickly after the original. It was Wayne's World two, Sister Act two, and Adam's Family Values. And they all and three of them. Wayne's World two. They, what? What? And Wayne's World two was the best one of them, wasn't it? Uh, no, I think Adam's Family Values is a little bit better than Wayne's World 2, but all three of them, you know, they were huge hits, made well over $100 million, and then the sequels are bringing in like $35 million, $45 million. That was it. They, they all flopped, and it was because of one movie, and that was Mrs. Doubtfire, which I believe con- uh, came out Thanksgiving of that year, and basically just wiped out all the competition. Oh, well, that's no surprise there. I mean, don't get me wrong. We can't, you can't hate that movie. You can't get mad at that. No, but I was just like, oh, can't more than one movie survive? Really? Precisely. Yeah, I know. I'm like, come on. No, I. to me, critically and comedically, humorously, Adam's Family Adam's Family Values was definitely just as good, if not better. Just like RoboCop 2. Right. Well, no. You love RoboCop 2. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with RoboCop 2. Now, if you had said RoboCop 3, we ended the conversation now. In fact, I would never speak oh, to you. Oh, God, no. That movie <laughs> could burn to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the voice Fuck acting RoboCop. on this, of course, Hanna-Barbera still owned the rights. They brought uh, John Aston back to do the voice of uh, Gomez Adams. Gomez. Sorry, I had a brain fart there. Uh, also joining him was Carol Channing, Jim Cummings, and Edie McClure. Uh, do you know who Edie McClure is? Refresh my mind. She was, a was she the mom? Wait. Go ahead. It's not the mom from uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer, is it? No. Uh, she was part of the Groundlings. She's one of the original members. She is mostly known, I believe, for uh, Ferris Bueller's Days Off. Uh, she plays the secretary to... Um... <gasps> oh, my God. How the hell could I keep remember. forgetting that? Yeah. So, I mean, she would show up on TV shows all the time. She uh, first was really uh, made a, a, a name for herself on WKRP. And then she showed up on Small Wonder. I don't know if you've ever heard of this show. It's the worst show in history to be successful. I believe it lasted four years. It was about a robot girl. And the only thing I remember from the show is Edie McClure would come over and just go, no, 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 no. 
And um, that was sticking your brain. And then she was on the Hogan family. She's just one of these faces that popped up all the time. Have you ever seen Elvira, uh, Mistress of the Dark? Yes, I do remember Edie McClure. She was one of those yes. snotty, freaking conservative neighbor bitches. And she was also, uh, she was, I, I know she was also in the original uh, Carrie with Sissy Spacek. She was one of the, you know, she was one of uh, fucking uh, Nancy Travis, mm-hmm. the one who plays Ann Lewis in RoboCop. Do you mean Nancy Allen? Nancy Allen. It, there was a Nancy involved. Anyway. <laughs> so I know she was like one of her friends and she was a total bitch and she wore glasses and you know, I'm glad she died. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even realize she was in that movie. Also joining the cast is Rob Paulson, who is infamous for Pinky the Brain, Animaniacs. Real big name during the 90s. I don't really hear that much from him now, but he's got a great podcast where he basically focuses on uh, voice actors. And uh, you should check it out. His name is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. <laughs> he probably has not lived that down at all. And finally, Rick Taylor was a reoccurring on the show. Who doesn't love Rick Taylor? That's Fester. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Who couldn't love Rick Taylor? He's last, a god. He is a god in my country. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, this was on for two seasons, 21 episodes. It lasted a little bit longer than the 70s version, but sadly, it's still... The Adams Family is always kind of a cult thing. The original series only lasted two seasons. Uh, there is also, you know, the animated series lasted less than a season, and the movies died out with the second one. There is a TV movie with Tim Curry and Daryl Hannah. It is garbage. Please pretend it didn't exist. Yeah, fucking Daryl Hannah. <laughs> Are you a Monsters fan or an Adams Family man? Uh, I'm definitely more of an Adams Family man, but I do love the Monsters. I do not wish them any hate. <laughs> and I will say that much right now. I was like, why haven't they collaborated? Why, why can't we get yeah, that why, kind of crossover? Why, why did they never meet? Why was there never a Monsters cartoon? If anything was a visual for cartoons, obviously Monsters. I, I just don't understand how that's not possible. I don't know. I mean, Monsters is on Netflix, though, so I would recommend anyone who has not watched it or who has kids and they have not heard of it. It's Halloween. It's almost Halloween. Get your kid. You know, just binge right now. Just stop what you're doing. Stop listening. Well, no, no, no. After listening to this, go and take your kids and just binge on Monsters right now. <laughs> All right, so we are running out of time. Uh, the Adams Family, there really isn't that much to say. It, it was a really, um, it's animation style. I, I think, it, I felt like it copied Beetlejuice a little bit. Am I wrong? It was. It was, it did seem a little, it did have those, uh, you know, rotund shapes that you'd see on every character almost. Yeah. Everybody, yeah, pretty much everyone, every character looked a little overweight. So, but I will uh, say. But I will say this, it was definitely something I always got up in the morning for. I loved hearing the theme song. I mean, you heard, I heard it in like almost every other TV show or cartoon. There was always a reference to it, like an episode of The Wonder Years. Paul would like kind of like, you know, mimic it and annoy Fred Savage. <laughs> Can I tell you this? Um, when I was in sixth grade, I was in math class and everybody was doing that da-da-da-da, da da which I don't know why. I think we only knew it from baseball games. We didn't know it from the show because it wasn't on TV at the time. Monsters was. Adam's uh, not so much. Okay, so I'm loading up the stapler, refilling it, and everybody's like, da 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 And I find myself, because I'm an absent-minded fool, I go to slam the stapler shut, and I go, da 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 It didn't shut. The staples were in my hand. I didn't notice it at first. I shut the stapler, I put it on the desk. Someone looks at my hand and goes, uh, Michael, you have staples in your hand. I go, what? And I look down and I see it and I start crying like crazy. And I, ah! I don't want them to take it out. 
And they just so, just hold still, calm down. I'm like, I don't want to eat it. And they pull him out or whatever. It's just, I always remember that when I think of the Adam Family song. <laughs> that pain, oh gosh, it's just burned. It all it, all, it, all it brings is pain. <sighs> Honestly, uh, the second one in particular, I think what made it really funny was jo- Joan Cusack. <laughs> My just favorite, much... oh, I think it's the camp. The camp absolutely oh, the camp, killed camp me. Camp Chippewa. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, Peter McNichol. <laughs> that was it that and oh my god i kid you not just uh the whole malibu barbie skit i thought that was a killer joke yeah. you know what they got me malibu barbie <laughs> the smiles on their face after watching the the nice little tv show okay so i believe we're at the end of our episode and uh check us out on facebook we are under back in tunes as a special page we're almost to 100 people that sounds like nothing to most but it means a lot to me because we just started the page a little bit ago so it's really growing fast people are giving us great feedback uh there's been suggestions given to us for episodes i apologize um it's just been really hard to do some episodes lately so i'm going to get to those uh don't worry i didn't leave you behind um jacob is there anything you want to say uh Yes, just one more thing. I honestly, okay, actually two things. One, oh god, who played Morticia? How come I in the movie? How can I forget Angelica Houston? Yes, Angelica Houston. That's it. Yeah, Angelica Houston never looked better outside of that Morticia costume. Oh god! And I think everybody these days who knows of Adam's family, that I think that's a relationship goal right there. Everyone wants a love story, a a relationship like Gomez and Morticia. Yeah, I mean that they're perfect. Yeah. You know, they call each other out on their crap. They both, you know, would do anything for each other. They would do anything for love. They would even do that. Pretty much, yeah. All right, well, let's That's all. Then. That's it. That's it? We're done? <laughs> yeah, we're, right. I'm done. Uh, this is Michael, and uh, I just want to say be excellent to each other. Thank you for the support. Share as much as possible. We've got to get our name out there, and I appreciate those who have. All right. Thank you, everybody. You all have a good night. Namaste and good luck. Vlad, buddy, it's Wolfie. How's it going? Oh, fine, fine. Just hanging around the house, catching up on some TV. Oh, really? That's awesome. Well, the whole gang is down here at Hyde's Bar and Kill. We're having a good time and wanted to, and just wanted to know if you wanted to join us for a couple cool ones. Play some blood pool and shoot the shit. Uh, cool ones? Oh, yeah, we got that asshole Dwayne from the convenience store on ice. Gotta throw him on the grill. Guy was a walking buffet. Come on down. Oh, yeah, that sounds good, but, uh... I got to turn you down. The brides have been on my case for never being home and spending quality time with them. Always on my back about being so uh, focused on building the army of the undead. Blah, blah, blah. You know how it goes. Uh, actually, no. I accidentally killed another one in a fit of rage again, so back to being a single guy on the lookout for another victim. I, I mean, lady. Seriously, you've got to curb that. I can't keep helping you out. You get ready of another body, another body, over and over with you. Oh, you know, oh, yeah, sure. It's easy for you to say, mister. I turn all my victims into my employees or wives. At least I don't have to have a motto of, vampir- of vampiruses. Is, vampiruses, seize? What the fuck you pronounce it? Nagging me and keeping me from having fun. 
I have fun. Lots of it. Blah. Oh, yeah, sure. Really. What's the last fun thing that you did? Tell me. I want fucking details, pal. Well, last night I went out to Slaymart and I bought myself a new cape. That's all? <laughs> yes. And then I had a nice snack and came home to watch Housewives of Transylvania. Wow. You're you're such a party monster. Oh my god. The, you, top, you top the fucking charts, kid. Or at least tell me. At least ate the cashier at the store. Oh my no. I simply can't afford another person on the payroll. They're bleeding me dry. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh, that's a good one. You, you never lost your humor. But seriously, you gotta come out. Everyone's here. I mean, even the creature brought his ass out from the lagoon to hang. I mean, that man has a million excuses not to go out, and he made it. So why can't you? Come on, kid. Seriously, if it wasn't for my ladies, I would do tons of work. I, I still have tons of work to do. I, I'm always busy. <laughs> really? But are you so busy these days? Well, I have decided after much deliberation that I'm going to run for president of a monster union. Ah, <laughs> no shit. You better, not, you better not let Frankenstein's monster know that. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, well, because he's also running, and he'll destroy you when you announce it. Ah, uh, that man can barely t put together a full sentence. So I have no worries. I mean, I am the emperor of the night and all. I have the experience in the brains. He is on his own. His his brain is just a rotted mess for alone from a lunatic. I got this. <laughs> oh, shit. Damn it. All right. Now, that's the old Dracula I know. Well, good luck, buddy, and I wish you could come out. Well, I gotta go, as Mr. Hyde is unraveling the mummy. Again? <laughs> oh my god, it's, it's fucking hysterical. But All at right, the same yeah, time, really yeah. fucked up. Yes, yes. You have a fun night. <laughs> Alright. Alright, ladies, let's start the binge-watching. Who's got their finger food? Ha! I slay me! Okay, everybody. Uh, that was the worst Dracula impression I've ever done, and uh, I lost it twice. I, I lost the accent twice. I started going into other territories, and I literally said sigh. I read a stage direction that said sigh. I am a fool. I wrote this. Well, actually, no. It's not it's like it, the, it's like it has you. comedic purposes. Uh, hey, it has comedic purposes. It has a Scott Pilgrim versus the World kind of touch. <laughs> All right, everybody. This time we're actually done. Have a good night. All right. Oh, I most certainly have. Click. All right, welcome to Back in Tunes Mini-Sode. This week we're going to discuss Akira. I'm your host, Michael, uh, and my yeah. guest this week... Okay. Tony! Hey, Tony. So, uh, this is one that's actually been requested by the fans, and uh, I have never actually seen it before. And I was kind of apprehensive, because I think you and I had this discussion. I can get into some anime, but some I'm completely, absolutely lost on. And this mm -hmm. was a challenging one. I'm not going to say that I was completely lost, but it's extremely dense. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That to say the least, there's a there's a lot going on in that jam packed hour and some change. And I didn't watch the dubbed version. I watched the subtitled version, which made me pay attention more. But I gotta tell you, if my phone off, I was like struggling. Do I look at my phone and pause, or do I continue to read the subtitles? I was torn. <laughs> it's such a lazy. It's a lazy excuse. If you want a uh, a treat, definitely uh, watch it subbed at some point, just because some of the subbing just is extra creepy for no particular reason. 
Yeah, the original voice work, I, at least I assume I watched the original version, uh, some of the voices are so insanely high-pitched that I almost wonder if it was a grown-up recording it and they fast-forwarded it. <laughs> um, that's that's very common in some of the uh, Japanese voice actors, though. You'll, you'll see that more often than not. All right, so if you haven't seen Akira, I would love to explain it to you in detail, but uh, that's not going to happen on a mini-sode. But, um, Tony, what is if you were to boil this down to a quick synopsis, how would you, what would you describe it as? Oh, geez. Um, if I were to boil this down to a quick synopsis, and I've seen this like many, many times, I would, I would give it as a kind of futuristic messiah type of deal. Yeah, it's it's absolutely gorgeous animation. I uh, the first fifteen minutes is probably the best thing I've ever seen animation. We're talking like modern three D animation being in this category. I have never seen anything that just grabbed my attention the way the first chunk of this movie does. Yeah, this was a a lot of people's first uh, introduction into anime, which was kind of what kind of what brought in a lot of the fans because it was such a huge change from your. You know, turning around watching DuckTales and then seeing something like this come around, you're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Like, how can how can anyone do this and still do the other thing and it be equivalent or what have you? I think this is the first anime that wasn't associated with a toy that was released in American theaters. It was very hard to find stuff in the late 80s, early 90s that uh, from this, um, what do you call it, a genre? Would you say anime oh, yeah. is a genre? Okay. Almost I mean, definitely. For the most part, you either had like American toys that were done by companies over there, which is not anime, but you had Robotech, and I think there was a couple Gogol 13 movies that got released, and uh, I think other than that, it was Akira that changed everything and all of a sudden grabbed everybody's attention, and that's when you started seeing more of it being released overseas. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's, it's like a futuristic, political, sci-fi adventure it's it's extremely elaborate. Yeah, it, it just it holds so many things in. It's it's also like a buddy movie. I mean, it also has like betrayal. I mean, there's a lot going on in this, and you're trying to do your best to catch up with the entire insanity of it. But at the same time, you, you're you're lost halfway in. Like you can watch it two or three times and still not pick up on all the things going on. Right. I almost think the ending is amazing, but it almost collapses under its own weight. And I feel like this could be something. I did this get turned into a TV show? A series? Um, no, no, not that I'm aware of. This was a movie only, but it was still uh, a lot of the problems with the uh, the movie conversion was that a lot of times it's easier and cheaper to get a movie prepared, but you lose out on a lot of the meat of the story. And so a lot of these were the equivalent of book to movie format, to where you just you lose out in chunks and pieces and plot points that you can never get back. And uh, a lot of studios could never afford to do like a full you know, what, 13 to 26 episode run of these things, and so you're stuck with getting with whatever you ended up with. Right. I do know that, I think it was Dark Horse or is Now Comics did an adaptation of the movie, but then they had it fleshed out with more material, which I feel like, watching this movie, I feel like there is more than just a, a story that you can co uh, condense into two hours. This, oh, yeah. These days, either you could do a full graphic novel, like do, you know, like uh, a series of graphic novels, or do do it do it for one season. Do thirteen episodes and get the entire story out. Well, that was what it was originally based on was the manga. Which the manga, if I were to like condense and move things around, it'd be the equivalent of doing all of the uh, Harry Potter books in one whole movie. And that's basically, <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically what you ended up with with the Akira movie was the fact that there is a lot more and a whole lot of stuff going on. But uh, you know, well, we only have room for one movie, and so jam as much as you can in there. 
I didn't realize it was based on a manga. Are most of the movies based on comics already? Yeah, the, a good portion of movies that come out anime-wise is based on manga first, and then manga goes into a movie format, um, which was uh, more popular in the 90s, or at least what we ended up here in America in the 90s. So things like Akira and Battle Angel Alita, which they're also talking about making that into another movie as well. Same thing happened, where it was a one-movie deal, but the original storyline for that went on for ages and ages and ages, but uh, we never got the full experience Uh Short-time fans, if you want an uh, example of, you know, what normally happens, like, you have, like, Dragon Ball and Naruto and One Piece and all those things. There's, like, 500-some-odd episodes, and those are the ones that actually are closer to the original storyline than what you have with some of these other smaller series where they kind of cut you off at the meat of it and you're ended up with whatever you end up with. Huh. I mean, yeah, this is a, a tip-of-the-iceberg sort of deal, and that's kind of what Akira was, too, is it was a tip-of-the-iceberg. Like, this is a really good interpretation, a lot better than in Battle Angel Alita was, but uh, sadly, um, it's still an interpretation and a condensed format of the original stuff, which, you know, uh, Dark Horse did release, and it was like a five huge jumble-packed manga series, or I can't remember what the original uh, releases of those looked like, but uh, I mean, yeah, this is by no means the full story, and I highly recommend getting the full story if you can. I wonder why they never did a sequel. Maybe the movie, the original movie, was so expensive. It seems like it's uh, years ahead of what was going on in that scene right at that time. You know, during the '80s, always something was very cheap, low budget. And this is like this is almost Disney quality in cost. Well, so if I were to give you a point of reference, um, look at uh, at let's say Batman. So there have been movies of Batman, and there have been interpretations and small half bits and portions, what have you. But could you imagine going back and doing like an entire like 80s Batman storyline run in a TV format? It's it's a situation where like we're constantly pushing forward and constantly pushing forward that you rarely go back and say, okay, well let's take this old concept and let's 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 redo it and hash the entire thing out. I mean, it sounds like a fun idea, but it's not something that uh, is going to be highly profitable because a lot of the new money comes in from the newer age viewers rather than the long-term viewers. Right, which is kind of funny that so many decades after the movie came out that I think it was Warner Brothers and the Hughes Brothers, oddly enough two brothers, but one's a company, one, uh, one, the other's a directorial team, they were trying to do a live-action Akira, and that would have cost uh, like Avengers kind of money. You're talking 200-plus million to get those visuals across. But they can mm -hmm. never get the cast right, and I just don't believe that uh, anglicizing Akira is the right idea. No, I mean, they've tried it before with other series. They've done it with Fist of the North Star, which if you've ever seen the anglicized version of that, yes. yeah. oh man. And compared to like its original stuff, holy crap, the original stuff was like Mad Max level crazy awesome. But, uh, you know, we're never going to see that here because we don't have... Uh, we don't have history of it, you know. You, you bring this stuff up to the studio and be like, "Well, it's good stuff," but uh, you know, there's there's no way we're gonna fork the money out for this because history says it won't make us any money. Yeah, and I just also feel like uh, it's just an idea that maybe should stay. And some ideas should not be brought to live action. We saw that with Speed Racer, where mm -hmm. it's just something that maybe it should have stayed in its animated form, or you know the umpteenth mini movies that have been adapted over here, like you know Underdog and Yogi Bear. Some things yeah. just don't look right or feel right. No, no, they really don't. But I mean, so like back to the main meat of the menu, Akira. I mean, like just some of the most gorgeous stuff to be introduced at, and even seeing some of the things nowadays. You know, like it's just it's really cool stuff and really interesting stuff. It's very deep. 
but uh, it's very hard for just an average person to hop in and just enjoy it right away. It's something that you have to really plant yourself and get ready for a complete just mind mess up because because uh, you're gonna be pulled around all over the place and you're not gonna know what to focus on when you're watching it. Yeah, the uh, the ending. I'm not gonna give it away, but the ending has a disastrous but hopeful kind of. It's almost like a rebirth of a world that had completely fallen apart and there was really no way back. So it's almost as if they had to destroy a certain... Well, I just gave away the ending. Dang it. <laughs> Stop at this point. Anyways, but, uh, but most importantly, though, is the fact that the movie is named Akira, and at no point do you really feel like the main character is Akira. Oh, no, no, <laughs> you know? no, no. That's like a, such a side note. I almost feel like the movie should have been called... Um, Oh, darn it. Kaneda or Tetsuo. Tetsuo, yeah. I thought Tetsuo would have been a much catchier name. Well, it it doesn't make sense to call it Akira. But, like you said, you read the books. Does Akira become more of a focus in the books? Well, like, if you watch the movie enough times, you realize just how important Akira is, and you realize exactly just how much of a messiah situation it is. Like, it's not about Akira, but it is about Akira. Akira represents something. It represents, like, power and energy and, you know, ability and something that happens. And, you know, like, the uh, the one of the main characters is basically compared to Akira the entire time, and it's basically driving him nuts because, you know, he, like, he's his own person. He doesn't want to be, you know, the equivalent of this Akira person who everyone is constantly talking about and mentioning and, you know, speaking in hushed words like Akira, oh, Akira. It's like, what, what? No, no, no. You know, f that guy. You know, f that guy all the way. It's, it's all about me. It's, I have the power now. You know, and it's so interesting. Just, uh, you know, like picking up on that fact three times watched later on, going, oh, it's not about Akira, but it is entirely about Akira. <laughs> the uh, the one thing that will haunt me until the day I die is the old children. Their faces are the creepiest thing I have ever seen. It's so unnerving. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, that uh, that and like it just it never really comes together on what exactly happened to do that to them. It's just just how it happened. It's just how they are as people, and it's just creepy as hell. Yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, imagine a bunch of Mickey Rooney's with baby voices. That's why I have nightmares now. <laughs> Oh, and the end is so insanely gory. If you took the thing, the blob, the fly, you know, three of the most intensely grotesque movies, and combined them, you wouldn't even get anywhere near how insane and grotesque everything is at the end. And uh, the, one of the things that I really like about this is that the women aren't ridiculous. Like, this is, like, early-era anime, and even at this point, you know, like, you're sitting to see some really crazy stuff on, you know, just on what's available, and in this situation, it's like, nope, nope, just... Women, men, they're just people. They look like people. They don't look like over-inflated blow-up dolls with unnatural proportions, uh, you know, which slightly at the end changes, but you have to see what happens to explain right. that one later on. Yeah, <laughs> but, think... uh, okay. yeah. But as, as a 90s cartoon, you know, I mean, like, I watched this one. I was like 13, 14. I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be a cartoon. It's going to be awesome. Holy crap, I was not prepared for any of that. Yeah, I think uh, I may or may not have seen this early in high school, but I just I, nothing seemed really that familiar. Uh, when I lived in Indiana, there was only two uh, anime series you could pick up, or any anime movies. It was Akira and Appleseed, and I watched Appleseed roughly fifty times. And <laughs> I, I really, I feel like maybe I watched Akira once, but I had complete amnesia to it. But I think it's funny how things change now. You can pretty much go um, online and find anything. Uh, and towards the end, I don't know if Suncoast is still around, but, you know, those kind of stores, 
and they would start building it. It started at, like in the mid to late 90s. They started building sections solely devoted to this genre. And it's really nice to see that available over here. But... <laughs> so I guess there's pretty much nothing else I have left to say about the movie. Do you have anything else? Um, honestly, if, if you're a longtime fan and, you know, what have you of the movie and you've never even heard of the uh, the manga, I highly recommend getting out there, picking it up. I mean, I'm not trying to plug in any companies or whatnot, but, uh, you know, it, it has been brought to the U.S. and is definitely uh, one of those things where uh, you, you got to get at it. I mean, you know, another another great series I'm going to bring up out of nowhere, Vampire Hunter D also came out around oh, the same time, around yeah. the 90s. Yeah. Um, I've seen Dark that Horse that, published. That actually aired when I was a kid, too. Well, they also did a new movie that actually is closer tied to what the books originally were. And I'll tell you right now, like, I read the books for the first time, like, I want to say, like, four or five years ago. There's, like, ten books out there. Holy crap, they are amazing good. And, like, the the new Vampire Hunter movie, D movie compared to the old ones, the old, the old one was thrown together just to be, a, like, kind of a flash in the pan. Yeah. While the new one was true to the books, and it is amazing. I highly recommend it. I have to um, Yeah, if you get a chance. Okay, so that's it for this episode. Uh, check us out on Facebook under Back in Tunes. You can find all of our episodes. And our new series of minisodes will be kicking in here and there just to fill in the, the little gaps because we know you, you have to have your fix. You have to uh, have that cartoon discussion just even for 15, 20 minutes. We'll give that to you. If you have any cartoons you want to suggest, I still think we have a couple on the plate we need to knock out. But uh, let us know, and we'll add it to the list. And, Tony, thank you for joining me for this episode. Thanks for having me. All right, and everybody, good night.